Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Drive to deep center field, going back Hernandez at the track, right to the wall, gone, Elvis Andrews. And 29 other MLB clubs. High drive, deep left field, Guerrero lifts one to left field and gone! Otani, that was a moonshot out there in the right center. Alonzo defends his title, the 2021 Derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe from OPS Plus to juiced balls to game-changing moments. We have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. Toss to White. He's in. Patriots win the Super Bowl. Brady has his fifth. What a comeback. Another look to make sure. They've already shot off the confetti. Fans are on the field. 34-28 the final in overtime, and the Patriots have redefined the word momentum here tonight. center field well hit back at the wall it is gone a home run for freddie freeman how about that smith the 0-2 left side swanson to first the Braves are world champions here's chris townsend well it is all over the Atlanta Braves are the World Series champion. And I never thought in my life I would be such an Atlanta Braves fan, not just because of Wash and Walter and Steven. Of course, that would be Ron Washington, Walt Weiss, and Steven Vogt. But you know who they're you know who they were playing. And that played a lot in our fandom. Uh, being all of a sudden, let's go Freddie Freeman and the Atlanta Braves and Jose Soler uh, being the World Series MVP, just the third guy ever to get the MVP of a World Series when traded over during the season. I got to tell you more importantly, though, we uh, I'm sorry for being late, but there was a reason. We got a chance to hook up with Bob Melvin, and the schedule has been hectic. 
I wanted to let him breathe. I know he's done a lot of interviews. Um, the thing with Bob, with us, is that, you know, normally uh, how we do the Bob Melvin show is we bring Bob on. We get to talk to Bob off air for a few minutes, and then we do the interview. So I didn't I didn't want to do them live, so I waited and to, to like, hey, when can we get some time? I'm going to need some time. I need some closure, for God's sakes. So we got to talk to Bob for uh, quite a few, kind of about everything that happened. And you're going to hear the Bob, the last Bob Melvin show here on A's Cast Live, the official Bob Melvin show. He will always be a friend. And I'm going to tell you, it was very emotional. Bob got very, I, I don't know what the other interviews have been like, and he has just texted me back, talking about how hard it was and that he, Almost broke down. I almost broke down. Bob is a friend. And we pay, we became close over the years. And this was not an easy thing for Bob to do. Bob did not want to leave. The circumstances around everything that's happening, like I told you, I didn't need to talk to Bob to know what was going on. I know Bob well enough. His wife, his daughter, I know the situation. I know what's going on, and this was very tough for him. And you're going to hear this at 3 o'clock, and you're going to hear how emotional he is, uh, how emotional it was for him to leave. Because, it, you know, it really wasn't his first choice, but, you know, there's sometimes things in life have to change. He loved it here. He loved being an A, and he loved you. Wait till you hear this interview at 3 o'clock. I don't know what the other – I mean, Cody, you've listened to other interviews. Have you heard anything like that? Not like that. I mean, I listened to his interview we did with Brody, and it was was good because him and Brody are close too, but I don't think they were as close like you and Bob were. uh, Well, that doesn't matter. I'm just saying, I mean, I've heard Bob do a lot. Um, Nothing was like that, though. I mean, I watched. I've never his, heard him be like this. No, I mean, I watched his interview on Intentional Talk, and that was more of a lighthearted thing. But no, nothing like this. I mean, I mean, all the interviews we've ever done with Bob, it was more on this. You know, we've done a couple lighthearted things, but nothing uh, as serious and, and as, as closure felt like this. So it, it's a really good interview, and I'm. It's a. Uh, it's going to be a great thing for our, our fans to hear and everyone to listen to at three o'clock. Our buddy Marty Lurie. From the Giants, but I call him a historian. Uh, Marty Lurie is going to be here at 1.30. Matthew Kawahara from the Chronicle will be here at 2.30. As we said, Bob Melvin will say goodbye to the fans at 3 o'clock. And I have no idea how to say this guy's name from Callis. Yeah, Todd Callis. He works with Blummer on Astros TV. Oh, you just say it like that's a household name, Todd Callis. Oh, well, I think he does uh... – Stop. Well, with Rockets, I want to say does Rockets maybe too? But, yeah, he works with Blummer on Astros TV. I was trying to get someone from Houston and Atlanta, but as we found out, uh, everyone from Atlanta is traveling, and we can let people know we're, we're actually talking to Stephen Vogt tomorrow. Then we'll have a an episode of A's Unfiltered with Stephen Vogt that we'll, be, we'll have up tomorrow with him. So, Voter, we'll have an interview with him. You forgot an A, by the way, when you're matching uh, – Ron Washington, Walter Walter Weiss, Stephen Vogt, and don't you dare forget Jesse Chavez. Yeah, sorry, that is true. <laughs> I'll wear that. Forgot out of the bullpen, Jesse Chavez. Yes, a, a very durable arm, Jesse Chavez. 
So today, looking back on the World Series, the MVP, Jorge Soler, is the third World Series MVP who was acquired during the season. Obviously, Steve Pierce, we remember that. I do not remember 1969, Don Clendenin. So, that you know, this World Series, unfortunately, this is going to be a World Series a lot of people don't remember because a lot of people didn't watch it. It was a matchup that was not one, you know, I, I thought it would have done better in the ratings, you know, because you got the villain, you got the good guys in the Braves, and you got the villain in the Astros. Just didn't nationally attract people, but there's a lot going on with football and hockey and hoops and college football. Um, people have been building up for, I mean, election night last night was pretty crazy and it's going into today. So, um, and it wasn't that all entertaining. I mean, there was entertaining moments, but it wasn't, it was, it's, it's kind of tough when you're playing like the longest games ever and everything's about no name bullpen guys, unless you're, unless you're like really into the Astros pen and really into the Braves pen. You know, it's not that magical moment of shilling to Randy Johnson or here comes Madison Bumgarner coming out in the night. I mean, it didn't have those kind of moments. But congratulations to the Atlanta Braves. You know, I, I don't make many predictions, and I'm not right, but I will be making some predictions this weekend in Reno. If anybody's going to Reno, uh, I will be in Reno this weekend, the biggest little city in the world, and I'll be uh, making some predictions there in the sports book. But if you remember back, Cody, after we talked to Ron Washington and everybody in our neck of the woods was like, whoever wins Giants-Dodgers, this is the favorite to win the World Series. This is the team. And I remember saying, slow down. The Atlanta Braves are hot. And hot teams are the teams you don't want to face in the postseason. Don't worry about who won the most games. Because once you get into the postseason, what does that matter? It matters. I mean, everybody's zero and zero. And if you're a team that's battle-tested down the stretch, you're kind of the team nobody wants to play. And that's where the Atlanta Braves were. I mean, the Braves have won four consecutive division titles. Uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. went down. They had to remake the outfield. But for the most part, starting pitching was good. Bullpen turned it around. And the Braves are, you know, World Series champs. And the last time they won it was what, 1995? Was it 95? It was 95, yeah. And that same game, Tom Glavin pitched game five, game six to win the World Series for them against. Mark Woolers, I want to say, closed that out, right? Yeah, and against Cleveland. They won the World Series. They also lost game five when they were up 3-1. So they came back to win game six just like they did this year. The Braves are the second ever team to win the World Series with a losing record at the All-Star break. Who was the other team? I would say that was a team that happened uh, very recently in your Washington Nationals. Uh, no, it was not them. They didn't have a losing no, because they were sure about that. They were 19 and 31 at the all they were 19 and 31 after May, but remember they went on a great run after that. 
from what I heard, the, the stat I heard on Buster's podcast today from the great David Show and Phil Friend of the pro- program, the only other team to have a losing record at the All-Star break to win the World Series was the 1964 Cardinals. See, I knew that. I, that was right on the tip of my tongue. Yeah. <laughs> what a great year that was. I'll never forget that. They, you know, there's so many good stats about this team. The last team to be shut out in the final game of the World Series was the Astros, who lost one nothing in Game 4 of the 05 World Series to the Chicago White Sox. The last team to win the World Series at home, at home, was in 2013 when the Red Sox did it. There hasn't been a team since 2013 to win the World Series at home. That's a long time. Well, and then you start talking about the MVP. You know, Jorge Soler, playing these years in Kansas City, he is one of six players to hit three go-ahead homers in a single fall classic. One of six. This list literally is unbelievable who he joins. Can I take a guess? So you, you probably have seen it. So I, if you I have, seen yeah, it, I have, no. I have it, so yeah, I won't so guess. <laughs> it's Babe Ruth, Lou Gehrig, our man Gino, Gene Tennis in 1972, the Grandy Man, Curtis Granderson, and George Springer. I mean, that is just... That, that, that's just amazing. Now, as a baseball fan, one thing that I really do like about this, now, I, now I, I would say this, that baseball would not agree. Like, you can't tell me the executives at Fox or whoever, they don't like when there's a super team. Super teams generate ratings. When you get, you can get the Yankees to win 97, 98, 99, you know, when they get that, they're into that. Cause that means you got a guy at the top of the mountain and everybody's chasing that guy at the top of the mountain. But I don't know about you, Cody, for me, I do like this. The last eight world series titles have been won by eight different teams and 16 different teams. More than half of the major leagues have reached the league championship series in that eight-year span. Oh, I, I have it. Since 2001, um, there have been 15 different champions since 2001. 21 of 30 have been in the World Series, and 27 of 30 have been in the league championship series. The only three teams that have never been in the league championship series in the last 20 years, the Padres, uh, the Cincinnati Reds and my beloved Pittsburgh Pirates are the only three teams that have not been in the league championship series in the last 20 years. So there's a lot of parody in baseball. Yeah. So that's, it's, it may not be great for TV ratings, but if you're a baseball fan, it says you have a chance, you know, this isn't like, well, you got to be in this market and you have to have this payroll. You had, you've had, you've had all different kinds of payrolls. You have you've had all different size markets win World Series. And that to me is what really what you want in your game. That's what the NFL has strived for for all these years. Now, all of a sudden you put up Bill Belichick and Tom Brady on the same squad and you start rolling off a ton of championships. But for the most part, you've had a lot of parity. But you know what? One of the stories out of this World Series 
which to me is really key. And maybe it's because I'm very vindictive. But this story to me means a lot. This was going to be the validation of the Houston Astros. This was going to be the one thing that could help elevate them and have them say, see, it wasn't all about cheating. They need this this core group, which I don't know if Correa is going to be back. And if Correa is not back, and if Verlander is not back, and if Grinky moves on, but Grinky wasn't there in 17. Um, if, if you've got these guys leaving the organization, I mean, the bottom line is they're not validated. And I was at a party on Saturday night when we were watching the World Series, and I had someone who's not a big baseball fan, but they said to me, like, did they get penalized? Did they get, like, what happened? I was like, well, I'll tell you what happened. They're man, they essentially, whether it was a wink, wink or whatever with the commissioner's office, but the manager got fired. The general manager got fired. They got fined the max at $5 million, and that's it. I don't know if there was their draft picks in there. There might have been draft picks. But what I mean, the players got nothing. And this person was like, that's not fair. And I go, well, yeah, we, we've been talking about that for years. This was their opportunity, Cody, to say, see, because they've been to all these league championships. They've been to the World Series multiple times. But this was their chance, their last chance at this core, unless Correa comes back. But this was their last chance to say, see, we didn't just win in 17 because we cheated. This was their chance, and they blew it. They absolutely blew it, and they blew it at home. And I guarantee you there's a lot of people who are not only fans, but there's a lot of people who work in Major League Baseball who are so happy to see it. Because not only did people know the Astros were cheating, they were – at that time, now a lot has changed, right? A lot has changed inside that organization. They were the most disliked organization by people in Major League Baseball because of the way they acted, and that's front office to players. So their their vindication did not come, Cody. It did not come. Yeah, and it's... It's surprising because you're right about Correa because you don't know if he's going to be back. And I personally don't think he is. I mean, I already told you where I think he's going to go. But a lot of people think I'm crazy for thinking he's going to end up in Detroit. But that's just me. That's where I think he's going to end up. Too many There's too many parallels of him ending up there with A.J. Hinch. But if he is back in, in Houston. I don't know. You know, I, this is for another show. I don't know why a manager would make him a good fit. I think you'd rather go to a team that you think is going to win. Yeah, for no. A long time. Yeah, I, I, but I do think you're right though about the vindication, and I think it was also would have been a uh, a cementation uh, for Dusty Baker in the Hall of Fame. Now I know some people think that this Dusty getting the Hall of Fame or getting to the World Series was a, a chance for him to him or him getting to the World Series is already going to put him in the Hall of Fame. I don't know still how that is. He has the most wins for a guy that's never won the a manager that's never won the World Series. Which I think he gets in eventually, but that's a different talking point we could do later. But it, well, well, and let's be honest, you 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 have to tell the people this is not he's not on the ballot like a player. He was on the ballot years ago. 
he will be looked at through the veterans community uh, committee the way Bobby Cox, Joe Torrey, and our own Tony LaRusso went in. This is not a vote of writers. This is a vote of players and executives who are on the committee. Yeah, and I, I just think that, you know, when it goes back to this team, you're right, though. Like, I mean, because we're going to have Marty on in a second. I don't want to get too deep into it, but the guys that you that you mentioned, you can take Michael Brantley out of it. Gurriel hit what? I think he hit uh, one home run in the playoffs. Alex Bregman hit one home run in the playoffs. Carlos Correa hit one home run in the playoffs. The Astros had the, uh, what were they? They were the best team at scoring runs and the best team in hitting for average in the regular season. Teams that out-homered their opponent in the postseason were 25-2. and two. Everyone told me the teams that uh, hit home runs weren't going to win in the postseason. The team that hit the second most home runs in the National League out-homered the Astros in the World Series 11-2. to two. Well, Jorge Soler out-homered the Astros by himself in the World Series. But it just shows you that the Astros just went cold, and especially their big boppers, except for Jose Altuve. Um, even Jordan Alvarez looked like a completely different player. But you're right, though. With the, 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 they had a chance to vindicate that 2017 title, and they didn't do it, and I don't think they're ever going to get a chance to do it again. The Astros hit one home run, Jose Altuve shot in game four, in their final 159 at-bats in the series. Outside of Altuve's two home runs, the rest of the roster was homerless. <laughs> 197 ABs. That is not good. You hear them doing Giants baseball, and we also call them our number one baseball historian. The great Marty Lurie joins us. Says, Marty, it's now our offseason, and hope to God we have a hot stove league. I hope so. Uh, they've got till December. First of all, hello, Chris. They've got till December 1st to get an agreement done. Uh, so I think it's going to take a while. Uh, the way things have been going the last few years anyway, it goes into January, February. So the market really uh, settles in. So we'll see what happens. But like Rogers Hornsby said, what am I doing? I'm sitting looking out the window waiting for spring. Well, you know what, Marty? I, I think about, you know, in your career as a lawyer, obviously you had to have a lot of negotiations and you got to deal with the other side. And, and there's sometimes you're far apart but at some point you got to come together to get something done. Everybody kind of at the best deals are deals where everybody feels like they win. And the one thing I keep coming back to that the money is so much bigger than it was in the seventies, the eighties, even our, even our last work stoppage. Do you think cooler heads will prevail at some point? And they'll just be like, Hey, come on. This pie is too big to screw it up. Yeah. It, when the pressure's on, they will, but see, there's no pressure right now. It's the off-season. Free agency can wait three or four months. There's nothing to do right now. Spring training is way off in the distance. So my feeling is if they get anything done, it'll be done at the last minute. And that's the way it usually gets done because they don't have to give in until you get pressure from the public uh, to say, well, we're not going to buy tickets or we're going to have to lock out the players. So until we get to that point, I think things are just going to go along and we will not know what's happening in that room. We will never know the truth until they have an agreement. 
You know, you look at this World Series, and great for the Atlanta Braves. I mean, there's a bunch of XAs on this Braves team. They were red hot. You know what's funny, Marty? When, when we were talking about the Giants at 107 wins and the Dodgers at 106, everybody's like, whoever wins this series is the favorite to win it all. And it's like, slow down. The, the Atlanta Braves are that red hot team you don't want to face in the postseason. Well, they turned, they, <clears throat> they figured it out. And that uh, pitching wins, and uh, our dear friend Larry Kruger and I went back and forth on texting. He said, no, this is the year. The hitting is going to win. The hitting's going to win. I said, no, pitching wins. And the Braves pitching really was the best when it was all said and done. But they ran into a Dodger team that fell apart with all the injuries and the injuries to their pitching staff. Uh, The Giants didn't quite have enough to get past the Dodgers. Uh, some of the veteran players didn't have a great series, and a few of the guys who were supporting didn't have great series as well. And you had the kid in at the end of the game. So, uh, And the Brewers never could hit. The Brewers, for me, were a team that never could hit, and their pitchers were six-inning pitchers, but their bullpen was also beat up. So the Braves, with Brian Snitker and Ron Washington and Walt Weiss and uh, Kranich and all, all Kranitz and all the good coaches figured out, Chris, that if you get four relievers or five relievers and a couple of starters, I can get through October. And that's what it took to get through October. And they, they stood tall when it was all over. The Houston pitching also disappeared. And it was just a matter of time until they were eliminated, too. You know, I think about all the great World Series you've watched in your career and, I mean, some of the greatest starting pitchers, guys that took the ball, went deep into games, and they were absolute heroes. And then all of a sudden, we really just started seeing bullpen games all over the place. And I'm like, ooh, I don't like this kind of baseball. Marty, do you think that's because of the pandemic and that carried over to this year and that hopefully in the next couple of years we'll get back to a little more traditional starting pitching carrying you through the postseason? Well, it's a good question. I think the analytics had a lot to do with it with the pandemic because they didn't have players that were fully in shape, so they didn't push the starting pitching. You bring up a very good point, and it probably uh, helped the analytics get a foothold. But the way the game is looked at today, the 162 is different than the 19 games in October. And they said it ad nauseum that they count the outs now. Well, we only need 12 outs. Can we bring four pitchers in to get 12 outs? And that's the way they look at it. The analytics tell the story. If you can find a pitcher that can go six innings and keep the ball down and stay ahead in the count and keep the pitch count down like Max Fried did, you can get it done. But the days of seeing, uh, you know, Bob Gibson or Koufax or Marshall or Jack Morris or Smoltz, so 120 pitches or 115 pitches, I think those days are done right now. The pendulum has swung to relief pitching. So for October, it's relief pitching. And if you can get me a starter, you can get me five innings, I'm thrilled. But over the 162, you've got to have a pitching staff. That's where the starters still are going to be very important. But they did it differently now in in the postseason. It's a different world. Do you think a front office, if they saw a guy like Jack Morris going out there for the 10th inning, do you think they'd jump out of the press box? <laughs> it's true. You know, it's true. It's, it's, you know, the old story is, can this guy do better than the other guy? 
And, you know, if Jack Morris threw nine shutout innings and, you know, he had 98 pitches and they hadn't touched him and his hard hit ball rate was not 102, you know, there's so many analytics that they go by now. Um, yeah, if he could keep all the analytics down, they'd probably let him do it. But those days are over in all reality. Uh, there's so many analytics involved that tell you when you get to the sixth, seventh, eighth inning that the matchups are important. It's a game of matchups now. And look, Bob Melvin did it beautifully. Uh, Kapler did it. All the managers who got this far did the matchups fine. It was a question of the pitchers wearing down. Well, you mentioned Bob Melvin. We had him on. We taped him before the show. He's going to be on at 3 o'clock. And he got, um, he got very emotional. And talking about leaving Oakland and what Oakland meant. And really, it was under the radar. The whole thing was under the radar. Nobody knew what was going on. When you first heard, all of a sudden, Bob Melvin's going to the Padres, what were your first thoughts? Well, I, I was very surprised because I thought he had a contract that had another year to run. And I said, why would you let him out of the contract? Uh, you know, because he, he's done such a good job. I didn't realize he was there 11 years. Uh, they, they flew by so quickly. He did an amazing job. But I said it on Twitter, and I'll say it to you guys. Uh, it's always a matter of money. And I saw it in 2002 with Art Howe. Uh, they didn't want to re-sign Art to a contract that would have been in the millions. And he's coming off 200 win seasons. Come on, 200 win seasons as a manager. And Billy and the, and the crowd said, no, we'll let you go to the Mets if the Mets want you. They wanted to get out from under the money. And I don't know what's going on with the A's, but I'll guarantee you saving the three or four million that he would have been paid uh, was paramount to them. Otherwise, why in the world would you let him go? And I think it comes down to the money. I hate to say it. I think that's it. And, yes, I was surprised. And you now look at the division. I mean, because really what San Diego needed, they've got a ton of talent, but they need they need that adult in the room to uh -huh. teach them and guide them. Uh, we know there's going to be changes with the Dodgers, but they're, they're opening in Vegas as the favorite for next year. you got the Giants coming off a great year. This division, this three-headed monster that we thought was going to be great last year, this next coming season, maybe maybe we really do finally get three teams battling it out. I think so. Uh, I think the Giants are going to have to make a lot of moves here with their pitching staff. Bullpen is pretty much the same. The, the veterans are pretty much the same. But can you count on the veterans to have another year like they just had? It's really unlikely. They're going to have to get the kids involved. At some point, I think it's important uh, that they bring the kids up and start letting them play. So that's number one. Uh, the Dodgers have a lot of people coming off injuries. Chris, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't think Trevor Bauer ever pitched there again. Kershaw's career to me is in jeopardy. Uh, Dustin May is going to be out for the whole year. So you're back down to Bueller and Urias again. And uh, I think it's a question for the Dodgers of just how good they're going to be. And I think the Padres, believe it or not, if the Padres can get pitching, starting pitching to take them through the 162, I think they could be the surprise team of the West. So, yeah, I think it's going to be an interesting race. Colorado and Arizona, still an afterthought. But the Padres are the ones because they've got so many people coming back from injuries. Will Lamette be any good? Is Snell coming back? 
what about Clevenger? Is he coming back? There's just so many of them that got hurt. I think San Diego is the big question mark, and that's where Bob comes in, you know, to take care of Machado and Tatis and the rest of them and get them playing ball together. That's the key. It's you know what you just said is a great point. I mean, Clevenger the other day I saw on Twitter was throwing a bullpen, and it makes me think of Chris Bassett. Like mm-hmm. guys, guys get hurt, they're out of sight, out of mind, right? Like the guy yeah. had Tommy John, it's like he's gone for a year plus, and you forget about these guys, and then all of a sudden here comes Chris Bassett, and now this guy's going to get Cy Young Award votes. I mean, with all these different teams, we think about the guys that they have now. You forget about all the guys that have been hurt that they're going to get back. Absolutely. Look, <clears throat> the Dodgers have, you know, Dustin May coming back. And now he'll be a year in April, so it may take him a little bit longer. But there's a couple of pitchers on the market. Stroman is out there. Chris Archer is another one. Syndergaard could be another one. So, uh, the West is very tempting for free agents, but you've, it's a great point. You know, when when you get hurt, you're out of sight, out of mind. But look at Will Smith. He's a, a Tommy John survivor, and he uh, went through the October, and he won the uh, World Series for the Braves with his work in the ninth inning. So, yeah, once you come back to the Tommy John, once you get your command back, velocity comes back quickly, but command is the last thing to come back. Once it comes back, Heck, Chris Bassett's one of the best pitchers in the league right now. Now, I want to get your opinion on this because I know how Fox and television ratings work. They love to have one dominant team and everybody chasing that team, and they're always hoping that it, like it's going to be the Yankees. But the last eight World Series titles have been won by eight different teams. Parody. Do you like that? I do. I think it's a great story. Uh, you know, and they joke about it when I say it's a mosaic to start the season. We don't know where it's going to go, how it's going to turn out, but we're going to love the story every day. And I think it's great. I think it's great for the game. Look, there's no super team because of free agency and because the way the game is played today. Players move around because of money and different things. So I, I like the idea that different teams can be good at different times. Why not? It's good for the game. I think it's great for the game, and we'll see what happens next year. The big question is, who will be the – I'll ask you, Chris. Who's your surprise team of 2022? Do you have one? Haven't even thought about it yet. <laughs> yeah, I think – well, it's a, you know, it's, you know, Tampa Bay, we've seen them array. We've seen the Red Sox, the Yankees. Uh, I think it could be Toronto. Maybe that would be the team that goes out if they re-sign Robbie Ray and Simeon. Maybe that's the team that leads from the beginning next year and goes uh, goes all the way. But uh, maybe it's Seattle. You know, maybe they figured out how to win in Seattle. That could be the surprise team in the American League. Um, so there's a couple out there. National League, maybe the Reds will figure it out and get it together. Uh, maybe it'll be the Phillies here. Maybe Joe Girardi will get it together with them. Not sure about the Marlins, even though the Marlins have great, Great young pitching. Great young pitching. Maybe the Marlins will be the team that comes out of nowhere. So I like that part of baseball. I really do. Well, we could go back to your old stomping grounds in New York, and I can tell you the Mets continue to be a train wreck, Marty. I know. I know. It's a, They can't get anybody to take the job in the front office. Uh, you know, I thought maybe it would be Billy Bean and maybe Melvin would go back there, but uh, that was not to be. 
Um, yeah, Sandy Alderson, I just don't know if he is the guy to lead that organization because when people interview, they immediately withdraw their name. So there must be something in that interview process. Maybe they don't get autonomy. Maybe they can't make decisions. Maybe the decision-making is still with the owner and with Sandy. And someone who's coming in says, no, 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 I want to run the thing. There's something going on internally that they can't get anybody to take that job. You know, when I, when I you know look around baseball and where our game is going, and you think about the Houston Astros, who, you know, you got to give them credit. They've been to the World Series multiple times, five straight to the League Championship Series. But, you know, baseball, this is the villain. And everybody you know is rooting for the Atlanta Braves. How bad do the Astros need to win that World Series to get some vindication? And now that they haven't won it, we still go, ah, you won in 2017, but you were cheating. I don't think so. I think Dusty got got him off that uh, that sort of look uh, that they were cheating. Uh, they're a very good team. They're a very good hitting team. They just ran out of pitching. Lance McCullers got hurt. Verlander never came back. Uh, you know, as I said earlier, you know, Valdez and Garcia and uh, Urquidy, I never believed in them as, as big-time, big-time pitchers. You saw them all year long. But they're a good hitting team. And I think Altuve showed us enough, and Correa and Brantley and Gurriel. They just got cold at the wrong time, and that was against the Atlanta pitching staff. I think the Astros have, have and I know it's easy to say it, oh, we don't like them because they cheated. I think they're past it. I really do. And this will be the fifth year coming up, past 2017. And they're still a very formidable team. So I think Dusty did a good job in getting that respectability back. Uh, everyone was rooting for the Braves. There's no question. But I think they got what they wanted, and I think that's about it for the Astros. Does this solidify Dusty Baker as a Hall of Famer? <clears throat> yeah, I think he was there anyway. But this, this I thought, did it for him. Uh, you know, five different teams to the playoffs, uh, the career he had as a player, uh, all the wins he's got the respect he got over the last two years of taking a franchise, as you just described, was in complete disarray and giving them credibility. Uh, I don't think he had to win the World Series. I think just getting in for him the second time was enough. When it'll happen, I can't tell you because you got to be retired and there's all sorts of rules involving managers. But I think when it's all said and done, Bochy's getting in, and I think Dusty's going to get in too. I, I do believe it. Let's end on this. Now that you're a Bay Area Radio Hall of Famer, have you okay. signed your name yet, HOF? <laughs> Not yet. It's still Martin D. Lurie Esquire. No, I'm only kidding. Uh, but no, it's just Marty Lurie. And that's, you know, this whole Hall of Fame thing was just a, an amazing story because it's all for the fans. And, you know, you're in the business. I told you last time, you and Larry, should be in the Radio Hall of Fame without a question for all the years you've done it. But uh, it's it, what makes us special are the fans, and that's the deal. So for me, I'm Marty Lurie, and I just thank the fans and the listeners all the time, and I'm just glad I can talk about something that I love. 
Well, you're an icon, a historian. You know we love you on this show, and it was an honor, uh, you know, just talking to you when you went into the Hall of Fame. But we got to do a lot of this in the offseason, Marty, because you know how much you mean to this program. And I know you're going to be going back to the Valley of the Sun, but we're going to need to have you on this program throughout the offseason. Well, I'm glad to do it anytime. And before we go, I just want to say I, I was at Ray Fossey's funeral a couple of weeks ago. And of course, very emotional for me and how much I loved Ray and yeah. how much uh, we, we meant to each other. And he was on my show all the time. And, you know, Ray, if I've done 8,000 interviews, Ray did 15,000. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and I met Carol there and, and Nikki and Lindsay, his daughters, and it was very emotional. And Carol said to me, she was hoping in the future that Ray and I would work together. And boy, that's all I had to hear. And that got the tears going. And uh, we lost a great man in Ray Fossey, a great, great pillar of Oakland A's baseball and baseball in general. And I just want to acknowledge that, that Ray was special. And I'm just glad that I was here to be able to go to that. Ken Korak was there. Vinny was there. Um, Kurt Young was there. Bob Melvin was there. And it was just a real tribute to Ray. Well, I tell you what, you you just don't replace Ray Fossey. It's gonna it's no. gonna take it's gonna take multiple people to replace Ray Fossey. That's how big the personality. That's how big. Mm-hmm. That's how, you, yeah. you know, people forget. You know, people we're, we're always gonna think of of Ray as this like superhero like guy. Ray was a terrific broadcaster. Yep, yep. He knew the game cold, and that's uh, as as Dallas. I'm sure will step in and do a great job. But he's not going to be uh, 162. I don't think he wants to do that. He was at the funeral as well. But Ray knew the game cold. Cold. I said to Ray a million times, Ray, why don't you coach? How come you're not managing? Because he he knew exactly what pitch was coming, what the pitcher should throw. And he just didn't want to get involved with the politics of it. But that's how smart Ray was. Ray was good enough. And he knew the game well enough and related to people well enough to manage or coach on the big league level and be a success. Can you imagine if Ray was managing and some like <laughs> assistant general manager came down and said, this is the lineup you should use. <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, it'd be like Ken Maka. That's what did Maka in as well. And that's another one, you know, they had to pay him off, but, uh, that he was the first one that clashed really with the the analytical people, and yeah, Maka, you know, we 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 joke about him, and you know, Farhan come in and give me the lineup, you know, as as he used to say, and that that didn't work real well. That did not work real well. All right, Marty, be well, and we'll be calling. Yeah, anytime. It's always good to uh, Chris. You work so hard, and. Uh, you're a real treasure for every baseball fan in the Bay Area. Really nice to be on with you. Take care, buddy. All right, you too. The Hall of Famer, Marty Lurie, right here on A's Cast Live. Yeah, Ray Fossey. Can you imagine some Ivy League kid? And Ray would be younger at this time when he's managing. Imagine some Ivy League kid coming in telling Ray Fossey what to do. I can imagine it happening, but I can imagine the response that Ray would give to them. He would put his foot so far and kick that guy out of his office. I would have loved to see Ray manage because Ray had a, Ray had that personality where kind of like Bob Melvin. But what he would have that Bob Melvin wouldn't have is he's got the World Series rings. He had a you know a much better career. 
But Ray related with players, and it didn't matter what years. Players always love Ray Fossey. Remember when all the 80s guys came back from the 89 team? And they all would, you know, oh, Ray's got the best handshake. I mean, these guys, I mean, Ray Ray could relate to any era of players. It's just, it was just his personality. Can you imagine Ray in, in, unif- in uniform as the as the skipper seeing us on the field and still yelling townie at you, as even as the manager? That was, you, think, uh, you think he still would have came over every day and, be, and been on Ace Cast Live? Can you believe what this Ivy League kid was trying to tell me what to do with the lineup? <laughs> This Farhan guy. What's he saying to me? Get yeah. the hell out of here. Uh, while you're talking to Marty, well, Marty was mentioning uh, the Reds being a team. Marty. Marty. As someone that watches the NL Central, the Reds had several players that can't even get above a, a positive OPS plus. They're, they're not going to the playoffs next year. Uh, uh, and the Rays, the Rays, as we've established here on this program, are no longer the little engine that could. Yeah, the Rays are the top dog in the American American League East. I don't care if they lost to the Red Sox in the postseason. Next year, if you're telling me I got to put my money on somebody, I'm not putting it on the Yankees. I'm not putting it on the Red Sox. I understand the Jays are coming. They want more games. Uh, sorry, the Jays won more games than the Braves did this year, and the Braves won the I World am Series. Putting my money on the Rays. Yeah, just saying. Uh, I don't care what their payroll is. I don't care who they lose. I am not betting against the Rays. They uh, they they put out the World Series odds for next year, according to uh, David Pardon from ESPN. Put out the the Vegas odds for next year for the World Series. Who do you think the favorites are to win the World Series next year in Vegas? Well, it's not the Braves, I can tell you that. Oh, that's correct. You you got that right. Who, who is the number one? Uh... Okay, Braves are third, so I'll give you that. Well, I, you know what? I'll go, I'll go chalk, and I hate to do this, but I'll go chalk because they've been the favorite the last couple of years. I'll go the Dodgers. Correct. They're eleven to two. Astros, Ray, Rays number Astros are number two over the Rays. Here, here, I'll give you the top ten. Dodgers eleven to two. Astros seven to one. Braves nine to one. The Yankees. No, oh, just, just see, just stop. Ten just, to one. Tony, Tony's boys at ten to one. Uh, the Red Sox at fourteen to one. Cashy and the guys at fourteen to one. Cappy and the guys at sixteen to one. Bo Mel and the Padres at sixteen to one. And then the Brew Crew sixteen to one as well. If I could make one bet. Oh, quick A is at 40 to 1. If I could make one bet, I would like like say, okay, I want to bet against this team not winning the World Series. One of your top teams. You know who I'd bet? Oh, the Yankees. Yeah. I let me let me put my money against the Yankees. This hype machine, it's like it's so unbelievable. The hype. I understand what they mean in our game, but they're always trying to figure out to how to get the Yankees to be the World Series champion, and they're not even close. They don't have the pitching. They don't have the athleticism. I just stop it. They Everybody's so overhyping them. It's unreal. All right, coming up next. I got to get back to the playbook here. Well, we got coming up? Oh, Matt Kawahara. No, we don't have anybody. Yeah, well, I was going to say, Martin just released a, uh, a an article of the in-house and out-of-house candidates for who could take over the A's. 
There's a few guys in there that I told you about, and then there's a new name that surfaced that we haven't thought about. That's an that's a uh, external candidate that uh, kind of interesting that we haven't uh, floated around yet as well. If you want to dive into that, yes, I would like to dive into that. Who's going to lead the ball club across America? BP supports more than two hundred seventy-five thousand jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Could it be somebody that just won the World Series? I don't know. We'll talk about it next right here on A's Cast Live. This is Chris Townsend for my favorite golf course in the Bay Area, Cinnabar Hills Golf Club. Tucked in the beautiful hills of San Jose, Cinnabar Hills offers the finest 27 holes of championship golf in Silicon Valley. Come see the amazing new renovated clubhouse and restaurant, plus patio dining with the most breathtaking views. Cinnabar Hills is far more than a golf course, one of the premier places in the Bay Area to host weddings and any type of events. There's no golf experience like Cinnabar Hills Golf Club. Go to CinnabarHills.com. That's CinnabarHills.com. A's Cast Live continues from the town. Here's Chris Townsend. Coming up here at 2.30, Matt Kawahara to talk about who could be the next manager for the Oakland Athletics. And I would say I think it's an internal situation. But... You know, you got to kick the tires in a lot of different ways. Unless you're, unless you're dead set on one guy that you've known and you're comfortable. Because that's something that the unknown can be scary with a guy, right? Like you go out and you interview a guy and you bring him in and he's a great interviewer. There's been certain guys that they come in and they can dazzle you. That's kind of what um, Gabe Kapler was in Philadelphia. And then all of a sudden, he, he, he dazzles you in the interview, and then you realize, oh, God, is this, is this really the right choice? I'll give you an old basketball name uh, of a guy that was tremendous at interviewing. Do you remember the great Eric Musselman? You mean the head coach at the University of Arkansas? Emus, former Warrior Golden, uh, f- former Golden State Warrior and Sacramento Kings head coach, former University went, of Nevada head coach, and went to Reno. He was supposedly he got in that room and he could just dazzle you, and then all of a sudden he's your head coach and you go, "What did we do?" See, that's the thing about the unknown guy. See, the guy that you got in house. You know everything about him. You know how he ticks. You know how he operates. You know how well he works with players. You know already how well he's going to work for you. I mean, because let's face it, Bob Melvin leaves. That really sucks. But yet the staff is already, I mean, unless you want to move some guys around, whatever, staff's already pretty much there. So is it picking between Ryan Christensen and, and, and Mark Kotze? 
and then you basically keep the band together because uh, you know they love Scott Emerson, the pitching coach. He's one of the best in the business. You don't want to lose him, and he loves being here. So that was, uh, you know, that that that's an interesting call, and it would be very interesting for the A's to go outside the organization. But you know, they went outside the organization and got Bob Melvin, and that worked out for ten plus years. So to, going out and getting some the unknown, you never know. So who is this unknown? Are we going to know this name? Oh, totally. But I'll give you the in-house candidates that Martin has has mentioned. He obviously Mark Kotze and Eric and Ryan Christensen. Then he mentioned two guys that I've mentioned to you countless times. Our good friend Fran Reardon. The great hey, hey, the great Fran Reardon. And by the way, would Las Vegas allow him to leave? Oh, it's a great question. Because I mean, what he's in his career, what he's done with the Aviators, they may not allow. How long's his contract down there? I mean, with the, with the amount of home runs they're hitting in Vegas, why would you want to let him leave? They're building their offense is incredible. Now, pitching is a bit suspect, but they can hit you home can runs have, down you, there. You could have casinos put into a contract and say, "Hey, friend, you're not leaving," and uh, have the casinos take over that contract. The other guy they, that he mentions is a guy I mentioned to you too. He never managed the game at Stockton and got promoted to Midland. That's a uh, 2004 Rookie of the Year, Bobby Crosby. I just, there's no way. Yeah, well, he's, you know. So and we so, love, Bobby Crosby's a friend of the program. Yeah, he's a big fan of Ace Cast as well. Yeah, he loves Ace Cast. I just, I just, I, I, that is, that would be a, that would be a really, and I do think in the future, he could be a manager. That would just be like, that, that's, that would be so far, that's not even out of left field. I don't even know what that would be out of. That's so far out there. Yeah, I'm trying to compare it to anything. I mean, what was a really weird and wacky managerial hire in baseball? But there really has. I mean, Ollie, Ollie Marmol, the guy that's two years older than I am, St. Louis, but he was at least a bench coach. So at least he had major league experience. I mean, you're talking about the highest level he's been is Stockton? Uh, no, Midland, double A. Did he manage Midland last year? Yeah, he managed Midland this past season. So he's one year in double A? Yes. No way. It'd be like it'd be that, like it'd be, that, that's Mart that Martin spitballing right there. That'd be like uh, that'd be like the Cleveland Guardians, then Indians in the movie Major League, hiring Lou Brown from uh, from wherever he was. In no, no, no. Lou had Major League experience. <laughs> Do not throw Lou under the bus like that. Well, don't. And he was managing Tire Tire World at the time. <laughs> you, you may run like Maze, but you hit like. Yeah. Uh, all right. So the the. Uh, the external candidates, uh, the names we've heard before, but they're but they're ace ties. Walter Weiss, Braves bench coach, third base coach, everyone's favorite, Ron Washington, friend of the program. Brad Osmus's name keeps get thrown around. I I don't understand why his name keeps get thrown out there. Here's one for you. This guy won six straight Gold Gloves through the Oakland A's. What about Eric Chavez? Why? Remember, he was a he was a guy that was getting a couple. Remember when the Angels were looking for a manager, he was getting interviewed. Yeah, but yeah. But he he's. What, 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 what? I mean, what? He was a special assistant. 
Yeah, but I think he had some co- – was he coaching in the minor leagues for the Angels? He was doing something with them too. I mean, he, he was like a special assistant. Yeah, he, but he said he, he had desire to, to manage. And then the other guys mentioned were uh, Joe Espada, the, the bench coach for the um, Houston Astros. But, hey, he could be the next manager of the Astros if they don't bring back Dusty Baker because Dusty still isn't signed to a new contract and Espada could be the new manager that takes over. But yeah, Chavez. I, I don't. He was with the Angels in 2019. I don't know what he's done since then. Okay, he served as a special assistant for Brian Cashman and Billy Epler when the, that was with the Yankees. Then he became a special assistant for Billy Epler. Oh, that's right. Some somebody got fired, and then he took he took over. They fired some guy. I remember he, t- he took over the Salt Lake Bees for for a little bit. Yeah. So he had, and remember he was like the hot managerial name in 2018, but and they thought he was going to take over for Sosha. Then they hired Osmus. So he hasn't done anything in eight, nineteen, twenty. I, I just, I, I could be wrong. I mean, I, lo- I love Chavi. I mean, all these guys, except your Astros guys, I don't care about. But all the guys you talked about, we like as people. I'm just trying to figure out, you know, who is the guy that that can be the guy that sits at the front of the bus and the front of the plane. And what I mean by that is you got to be a leader. You've got to be able to control the clubhouse and deal with the human beings. We can data this and data that. But reality is you've got to be able to handle the day-to-day grind of dealing with these guys, some young, some veteran. Every guy's got different issues. Every guy has different wants. Every guy has different warts. It just, it, it is what it is. And if they don't trust you, like look at the problem the Padres have. There was mutiny. Mutiny on the bounty, baby. That's why they that's why they went after Bob Melvin like that they caught word that you know supposedly Melvin could be available and they immediately they they grabbed that cuz they need the adult in the room. And I love using that expression because it is a great expression. You got all these kids are running around crazy. Somebody's got to come in and corral everybody. Quite like you know like Mary Poppins did back in the day. Mary Poppins came in, control the room. You got to have that adult. And if you don't have that adult, you know, it's great. You know, some guys have been able to come out of the TV booth like Aaron Boone. But that is, I think the Yankee job is different. You're not allowed to be a bunch of knuckleheads for the Yankees. You got too many people covering you. You got too much around you. You got too much at stake. And if you're just a real piece of work, you're going to be out of there. I mean, hey, you had the adult in the room with Tito Francona in Boston. Look how out of whack that got. That's the whole eating fried chicken, drinking beer, playing video games in the clubhouse during the game. So it can go squirrely fast on you, even with even with Francona, who's one of the great managers of his time. But I just, you know, having somebody with zero experience, bringing them to Oakland, I mean, I just, I... I could be wrong, might be the right play, but it's got to be somebody, obviously, who David Forrest and Billy Bean are comfortable with. 
I think they learned that in their experience. And 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 and, and let me let me take it a step further. It's just not being comfortable. It's someone who they know can do the job and can have a little pushback. Because obviously Bob Guerin was no pushback. Bob Guerin was like, whatever they told him to do, he did. And that was a disaster. Somebody has to be able to have the cojones to run the ball club. And at times say, well, I don't agree with that. You know, you got to have that kind of guy that with that kind of personality. And if they don't have that kind of, if you, if you just bring a yes man in here, we've seen that. We've seen how that works. Doesn't work. San Diego saw it a couple times. Look, didn't work. That's why they brought in Bob Melvin. You got to have somebody who can be the leader of the guys. Cause you know what happens, which we have seen no offense to people. But once the players don't believe you're really the manager, that's when it gets ugly. The only, you know, you know, the only place we've really seen that work. There's one place where the players know that the manager is really not making all the decisions, but they still get buy-in. Where is that one place in baseball? I think I know where you're going, and it's going to pain me to say it. Yep. Are, are, you, are you taking shots at my good friend Kevin Cash? I've been to Tampa, and I researched it, because you know I'm a hard-hitting journalist. So I had to seek that out to see if it was true. And my time in Tampa, no, I didn't spend all the time on the beach in St. Petersburg. By the way, St. Petersburg on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I mean, St. Petersburg is basically a retirement town. They have this beautiful downtown. It was beautiful. But on Monday and Tuesday night, let me tell you, wasn't a whole lot going on in St. Petersburg, Florida. Like, I can't imagine. I seriously, I can't imagine. Like, trying to wine and dine a big-time free agent. Like, where are you going to take him? Downtown St. Petersburg, where everybody's having dinner at 4 o'clock? <laughs> What do you think they took Brady? No, that's Tampa. I know, but what do you think? I'm just trying to think. Like, where do you think they took? Where do you think they took Brady? Or did Brady to say fly up to fly hey, to Tam- Tampa's got there? There's a there's a bunch of cool spots in Tampa. This is St. Petersburg. This is over the bridge. St. Petersburg is different than Tampa. You can find some cool spots in Tampa. St. Petersburg. No offense, but yeah. All those guys in Tampa buy in because they have no choice. They're not making big money. And so they buy in and they win. You're going to need that buy-in. Then the front office is making the moves in Tampa. There's no question. But I, 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 if I had to bet right now, I would say the candidate has been wearing an A's uniform. The guy, not the candidate, the guy that's going to get the job. Kind of just keep the ball rolling. You know, you, you don't want to really change what Melvin built with David Force and Billy Bean. You don't want to disrupt that. You bring somebody in from the outside. Who knows where it goes from there? Because now this guy wants to establish his culture. He wants to establish 
what he has learned and where he is from to where the guy in-house knows how it has worked and how the A's have won all these years. And, and instead of coming in and trying to develop something so new, yeah, you're, you're going to want to put your stamp on it, but you're, you're not going to want to disturb the apple cart. And I don't have firsthand knowledge on this. I've been waiting for, for David or Billy to call me and ask me what I would do. Um, I haven't got that phone call yet. But uh, if I had to bet, I think the answer is in-house. So you're telling me Fran has a chance still. You said an A's uniform. You didn't say what, what part of the A's organization. You said A's. I don't think it'll be Fran. Yeah, I don't, I don't either. I think it's either Ryan Christensen or Mark Kotze. Yeah. Both guys who we saw, you know, we saw Ryan Christensen manage a game this year. When, you know, Bob got thrown out six times this year, so Ryan Christensen took over six different times this year. So he's had experience. And Mark Kotze's interviewed for manager jobs in the past with the Astros, the Giants, I think Detroit. So he's interviewed for jobs. So it's not like this is going to be his first time ever interviewing for a job. So and it's not like this is the first time that they've had to replace a manager in Oakland. It's the first time in 11 seasons that we've had to replace a manager <laughs> where the carousel and Billy's made the joke before, you know, they, the managers were getting replaced a lot more often than they had before Bob came in. So this is a process they're just not used to having to do uh, over the last you know decade. So it's going to be different. It's different times. But you're right, though, um, you, as you take shots at Cashy, but it seems like that's the only place that kind of happened. But we don't know. It's not as evident anywhere else. Like People kind of say that about L.A. with Dave Roberts and what happens with the Dodgers front office, sometimes with the Yankees and Brian Cashman and their analytics department with Aaron Boone. But it seems like that narrative gets run a lot more Tampa more than anywhere else. I would say there's a reason why they brought Kotze back and got him into the dugout. Because remember, at one point, you know, he wasn't around the team. He, he was working for the team. But I just think there's a reason why they got him back in uniform and got him back in the dugout. And I think you could still have a dynamic of Kotze, Christensen together, along with Scott Emerson. I don't know, you know, I have no idea about the, the rest of the staff. I just, I just, I, I could, I, I could envision that dynamic. What I can envision is somebody from the outside coming in. But maybe, just maybe, they want to start completely fresh and completely new. We don't know. We'll just have to wait and see. Which is also some some of the time not a bad idea, not a bad idea to change things up. But they've had a lot of winning, and they've had a culture that's been in that clubhouse that all the players will tell you is special. Remember, Chris Bassett said on the show where he goes, "Guys leave the A's clubhouse, and they miss it. They go to these other teams, and it's like the no fun league." I mean, the A's clubhouse is about business, but it's also about having a good time and taking care of your business and enjoying yourself and everybody gets along and let's go get them. You know, Bassett said that on this program. You know, there's been many guys, they leave and they go, ugh. And how many guys have left and then they come back to play in Oakland and they spend more time in the A's clubhouse than they do in their new team's clubhouse? That's happened multiple times. 
Yeah. We've seen it with the most recently we saw it with Sean Doolittle where, you know, Bob made the joke where he was he seemed like he was in a, in in and out of his, his office more than you know, more than he should have been. But um you know, something else happened today too, because you're talking about players. Uh today officially one hundred and sixty players became free agents officially. And this is it's not concerning, but there are three teams that have 11 free agents. That's the most in baseball. Do you know who they are? There's three teams that each have 11 free agents. Can you name the three teams? Why do I have to name them? Who cares? It's the A's and who else? The Mets and the Dodgers. What, 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 why is it always this this game? Can you name them? I don't know. Who cares? The, Dodger, the Dodgers is – well, the Dodgers have some big names on there. Uh, Kenley Jansen, Clayton Kershaw. Jansen, I thought Jansen signed a four-year deal. That nope. thing's up. He's gone. He's a free agent. Kershaw, Scherzer, Seager, Taylor, Pulhos, Danny Duffy, who they traded for and never got an inning out of <laughs> from the the Royals. So they got some guys. Cord Canable is also one of the guy that uses the opener. Uh, the Mets. Uh, hold on, hold on. We got to go back on that list. So, so Jansen, by the way, who threw the ball phenomenal down the stretch. Yeah. Okay, that he's he's a guy that you're going to be interested in bringing back. I mean, Ker- Kershaw's kind of like that. You know, it's like that Mass and Bumgarner decision. You know, this is an all-time great in your franchise. What are you going to do? Let him walk and go to another uniform? But then again, if he's he, he here's the problem with dealing with players like that is you're not the same guy. So if you still want to get paid like the same guy, then you got to go. But we'd still love to have you, but we're not going to pay you $30 million because you're not a $30 million guy anymore. That's always a tough one pulling at the heartstrings. Next. Uh, who else did I say? Um, Seeger. Seeger was one, yeah. Um, I mean, you're going to have to. I mean, what are you going to do with this guy? He can't stay healthy. He's only played over 140 games twice in a seven-year career. So that's and plus you traded for Trey Turner, who you have for another year, and he's been pretty consistent the last few years. You also have Max Scherzer. So do you want to do you want to pay Scherzer? Or do you want to pay Ker- No, he's a couple years older. Do you want to pay him or do you want to play Kershaw when it comes to free agency? Do I want to pay either of them? How old is Scherzer now? 36? Uh, I think he'll be 37, and Kershaw's going to be 33 or 34. I mean, do I want to pay either of these guys? I mean, realistically, probably not in the way baseball's going. Well, then- I mean, if Scherzer, it would all depend on years. Like, can I get him for two years? Don't forget, we have that thing with, you think he's saying with the Dodgers. I say he's going to the Angels. Who? Scherzer. Well, I don't know. I mean, I, 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 you're going to pay a 37 year old line. I mean, that's with all the arms that they have supposedly in their farm system coming up, but they do have the money. I would pay Scherzer over Kershaw. There's no question. Yeah. Well, and they're supposed to get, remember, they're supposed to get Dustin May back next year. So that's a guy you're getting back from Tommy John. So that's one guy. And then the other guy's Chris Taylor. I'd like, uh, yeah, I'd bring him back, no question. Yeah, he's going to get, uh, he's going to get offered a ton of money in free agency. And then the Mets, they but wait, a, wait, 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 wait. You sure? Taylor, he'll get, he'll get a, it's not like a three hundred. Are you get, sure? He won't get a three hundred. In, in this economic climate, 
where we are going here in baseball. Are you sure anybody's going to get huge deals? When I say huge, I mean like he'll get he'll probably get under 100 million, but it'll be a nice deal for a player like him. Do you think he'll get like what? He'll, I'm saying he'll get under 100 million, but he'll get a multi-year deal. Okay, there's a okay. Well, so 100 million, zero to 100 million. I can see someone. You, I can see someone like a four for 80 or something like that. What? 20 million dollars. Well, when that happens, let me ring me and tell me that you were right when that happens. He gets 80 million dollars guaranteed. Josh Donaldson got. 95 million, and he was 33 years old. And he's also an MVP. Chris Taylor's an M- a World Series champion. <laughs> Chris Taylor is 31 years old. You think he's going to get 80 million? <laughs> All right. Who else you got? Uh, that that was that was the rest of the Dodgers, and then the Mets. Hey, by the way, how many times has Chris Taylor hit 20 home runs? In his career? In his career. Uh, twice. He did it this year, and I think he did it one other year. Yeah. he the high His career high is 21. Now, he has versatility. I'll give you that. But, uh, wow, $80 million for a guy who's 31 years old? Good luck. Would you rather pay him or Javi Baez? Where's Javi Baez playing for me? Probably. Well, that's a good question. Depends on where he, where, where he signs. Say he's playing shortstop. Now remember the guy. The guy doesn't walk, and he doesn't have a good on base percentage. It's almost below three hundred in his career. I probably pay. I probably pay bias. Would you pay him the hundred eighty million dollars that he thinks he's going to get? <laughs> no, 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 no. See the thing with the thing with a guy like Chris Taylor, and you could you can tell me if I'm wrong. You take him out of the Dodgers lineup, and you try and make him a focal point. Of your lineup at eighty million, I mean the Dodger lineup. See, see, this is always the scary thing about free agency, is when you try and pick off somebody from a really good team. Because when you're in the dot, you know, take Justin Turner. If you took Justin Turner and put him in Seattle's lineup, you think he's the same guy? No, because he wasn't the same guy with the Mets. Do you think Chris Taylor's the same guy in the Mariners lineup? The Mariner, well, he was a Mariner and he wasn't before. So, <laughs> so that's no. my whole thing. It's like you've got to be very put Chris Taylor in our lineup. Well, uh, he hits the ball, but he has a good he has a good average though. So maybe maybe he he might actually be he might actually be one of the better hitters. I mean, if you're saying he's worth eighty million, are they going to give him the qualifying offer? I think that might have been a bit, a bit too aggressive. I would say somewhere. I was, well, let me talk you down. Stick to your guns. No, I Stick was, I was guns. looking, I was looking at what he was making. He was making eight million. I could see him getting like fifteen million a year. He was making eight million. You're going to jump him up twelve million dollars for hitting twenty home runs. Well, I, he had a great postseason run. And he's like, where do we stick him? I don't know. Left field. Well, he can play anywhere. So that's the nice thing about him. He's one of those guys who literally can, can play. play can he play everywhere good? Um, I, I would say he's probably above average. In, All right. Who's the other team? So you got the Mets. It was the Mets. Then the A's were the third team. Who the Mets have that's free agent? Conforto? Uh, Conforto, Javi Baez, Batonsis, uh, Cindergaard, uh, Rich Hill, 
and Marcus Stroman are the big ones. And Brad Hand, who they barely even used. I mean, the only guy there is, I mean, I mean, it, you're taking a flyer on an injury guy, is Syndergaard. Yeah, because he's under 30. I wonder what his worth is. It's never like he's been a perennial great pitcher. He's going to ever stay healthy. Uh, let me let me see what I don't remember. I don't even know what he was making. Uh, what he was even making while he's healthy. Let me see what the, if I can find what his salary was. Kawahara's calling us. Yeah. Do we grill him right out of the gate about who's the next manager? Why not? I I, I want answers. You want answers. I want answers. Syndergaard was making nine point seven million this year with the Mets. I think he pitched in. How many games did he pitch in? He he came back towards the end of the year. Syndergaard, Syndergaard appeared in two games. He pitched in two innings at the age of 28. He'll be 29 in – he just turned 29 in August. What's the most starts and in innings he's had in his career? Most starts in his career was 2019. He had 32, and it was 197 and two-thirds. He, so he's never pitched 200 innings. Uh, no, and he gave up he gave up ninety four runs that year. That was the most in baseball, and he had a four two eight ERA. His best year overall was two thousand sixteen. When he's twenty three, he went fourteen and nine with a two six zero ERA and thirty starts, two hundred eighteen strikeouts, and one hundred eighty three and two thirds innings. By the way, that was a lo- that was a long time ago. That was uh, almost six years ago. That was a long yeah. You you were you were, you were you were still in your first marriage. That's true. I was. <laughs> <laughs> That you 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 know what? That's how we can start judging baseball. Was the guy there in your first marriage or your second marriage? Fair enough. <laughs> Matt, how are you? Welcome back to Ace Cast Live. Hey, it's good to talk to you guys again. What did I jump into here? <laughs> well, we were we we're, we're, we're talking about these teams that have a ton of free agents, right? Like the A's, the Dodgers, the uh, the Mets. Yeah, the Mets. And yeah. we're talking about Syndergaard, and uh, and we were talking about the last time he was like like his like best year. And I said, well, that was mm-hmm. that was in Cody's first marriage. And <laughs> that was a long time ago. So it's kind of scary when you. I would say, t- I would Matt. When you say this, no matter what happens with the CBA and all that kind of stuff, these last two years between the COVID year and now this year, two of the worst years in baseball history to be a free agent since free agency started. <laughs> yeah, in terms of back-to-back years, it's there's definitely been a lot of outside stuff to consider. Um, still, there's still been some some big mega contracts that you've seen, obviously, but I, I think in terms of just like the uncertainty and um, just feeling like maybe you're th- that ground that's a little shaky, but uh, still under you to, to some extent when you hear free agency, especially for the first time, is yeah, it's been, it's been a little shaky the last couple of years. So when the bot, you know, we, we, we interviewed Bob Melvin earlier today and I, I can tell you it's going to, you're going to want to listen to it as a, as a beat writer. It's uh, at three o'clock. It, it's very emotional. He, he was, uh, he, it was a tearjerker for him. Uh, and even after the interview, he was texting me how hard it was. Um, and this was really his real chance to say goodbye to A's fans because he knows that this is going to be on A's cast and this is going to be run over and over for a while. And a lot of people are going to hear this. And this was a very, very tough decision for him. 
Uh, just how shocked were you when you heard Bob Melvin was leaving for the San Diego Padres? Very. Um, yeah, I think even through up through the, the last day of the year um, and even in the end of season post, I guess, postseason day after press conference, um, there was really no indication that uh, that he would be leaving. And he I think he said it was a little interesting. It was just looking back on it. Um, the last day of the season before they played their last game in Houston, um, we'd asked him just kind of about whether he had kind of pulled together the group um, and just knowing that there might be some turnover in the offseason just said, said anything about, uh, about the, the group, maybe that group playing its last game together. And he said, no, um, because he doesn't know what's going to happen in the offseason. And uh, he said something effective. I expect that I'm going to be back. And if they bring the core back, then I think, you know, this uh, team can still be back pretty um, largely intact. Uh, but, you know, just thinking back on it, just the, the, the fact that there was even a, uncertainty about whether being back or not. I don't know if that was telling at that point or not, but you know, whether that's probably maybe reading a little bit into it retroactively, because it sounds like, you know, from the comments that he made in, um, in his introductory press conference in San Diego, that this is just something that uh, sort of he, he was not expecting uh, came as a surprise to him as well. And, and really came together pretty quickly in the, in the last couple of weeks. So, yeah, I mean, personally, I was, I was surprised. I expected to, uh, for, for him to be back, uh, especially after the, you know, picked up his option even though it was um during the season and and yeah it's, it's potentially a signal of uh, a lot of changes coming this winter well you know and i think with the a's which we see so often and i think everybody everybody around here in the media fears this they fear uncertainty they want certainty but uncertainty is something that billy bean and david forrest they have thrived in this type of arena for many, many years. Like if you go back to 2012, Matt, you weren't on the beat then, but I can tell you this. The team that we went to uh, Japan with was not the team that we played in the playoffs with. So mm -hmm. remaking rosters during the season and changing players and doing all that, that's something that Billy Bean and David Force don't fear to where – Whenever there's a move like this, and I've read articles and even articles in your guys' paper, it's always doom and gloom, doom and gloom. We hear this often. And by the way, the, Bob Melvin, in his career with the A's, has been to the postseason as much as the Padres have been to the postseason in their entire existence. Yeah, I think uh... – I guess maybe the the difference here is that yeah year to year there is and even in season of this team is known for making a lot of moves and, and there is a lot of turnover on the roster. Um, I guess the difference with this one, uh, I mean for me anyways, is, is just that Bob Melvin is sort of the the embodiment of like constancy throughout that thing. Him and and Billy Bean and David Force have sort of been um, the three main figures who have been that. Uh, they've lent that element of just continuity over the last decade when there was so much turnover on the roster and, and um, I, he, you know, he resonated so well in the clubhouse and was able to be sort of that um, uh, the conduit between the front office and the team and, and just, uh, you know, was handled it. So um, I, I don't know what the right word is. Not ever, maybe effortlessly, but just kind of, it was just, it was just such a calming presence, I guess, there that, uh, the, the departure there, I think, uh, maybe maybe that's why it seems like a little bit more jarring. Plus the surprise element, all that kind of comes together to 
to make it seem just like a little bit more of a change um, than maybe your your year-to-year roster turnover. But, uh, I mean, to your point, yeah, to, they, they obviously have a lot of experience um, making over the roster and, and uh, you know, tearing it down, building it back up. And uh, maybe I, you know, I'm not sure to what extent that's going to happen this offseason, but um, this is just a, a role that they haven't had to fill for a while. So it'll be interesting to see where they go with it. You know, when you think about candidates, and I know you guys got to write articles and you, and you got to look at names and the possibility, uh, the possibilities of who's next. If you had to bet, are you betting the guy is already in-house or do you think the guy is out of the house that they're going to have to bring in new? If I had to bet, well, I think, I think they do have a couple of strong candidates in-house. Um, and I know I think Mark Hatze is, you know, probably the first name that comes to mind. And he's he's obviously interviewed for for jobs elsewhere. Um, and he's ha- he's filled a lot of he filled a lot of roles in the last uh, was it five or six seasons, working in different. I mean, he was he was the bench coach. He was the quality control coach. He's got he has dipped into that uh, the sort of analytics realm. Um, did a story that or earlier in the season just about how they were kind of using more infield shifts, at least when the season started. And uh, he, he positions or has been positioning the infielders. So so he was kind of the, the um, leading that charge. And he, he was the one who was sort of working with both the analytics side and also um, kind of leading the uh, from, from the player perspective and, and actually positioning. So, um, so he's got a little bit of experience doing that. Obviously, he had a really long playing career. Um, still kind of he's in that. Um, sort of toward, trending toward younger managers, um, seeming like, and obviously he hasn't, uh, he doesn't have the managing uh, experience, at least at the major league level, but um, that hasn't really seemed to stop teams from from hiring uh, guys like that uh, more recently. So um, I think that's a that's a candidate that obviously is, I mean, that's that's an obvious in-house one. Um, I, I think. You know, it, it really just depends on what they're looking for. Um, if, if they're looking for maybe a little bit of, uh, of continuity still and maybe holding on to somebody who, who does have a familiarity with the way that they've done things, then that would make a lot of sense. And, and if they do decide to look outside, there are a lot of candidates out there. Yeah, it, it is, uh, you know, whether you stay in-house or you go outside, if you go outside, would you say that, Whoever you bring in, then we're now going to see a culture change inside the clubhouse. Because we mentioned there's a ton of free agent, there a ton of free agents. There could be a lot of movement, and you bring in a new guy. A new guy's going to want to put his own stamp on the team. Yeah, I mean, if if somebody comes in from a different uh, organization or a different background, then I think that's inevitable to have a little bit of change. Um, I think that's you know when they when they brought. Bob Melvin and originally in the middle of the 2011 season, I think that's, that's what they were looking for. Right. It was, it was a little bit of a, a culture change. Um, I mean, now that's, it's obviously different situations a little bit because there, they were, I think they were in the middle of like their fifth straight losing season. And, and now they're coming off four winning seasons, even though they make the, didn't make the playoffs this year. Um, and again, there's, the, there's that uncertainty of what's going to happen with the roster and how much of the core is going to be back. Um, so I, I'm sure you know it'll fall into, if they do if they do go outside for uh, for somebody who's doesn't really have ties to the organization. Obviously, there there are varying levels of that too. I mean, you, 
one of the one of the names that's been thrown around a lot as a possibility is you know getting Ron Watts going out and seeing if Ron Washington would have interest in in uh, coming back to Oakland and he's coached a couple of different stints so he would have at least you know some sort of um, it would probably feel familiar to him and, and uh, not a lot of the players I, I don't know that any of them maybe only a handful uh, would have been in the system at the same time but maybe there would be a little bit more of a kind of similarity or familiarity there. But again, it also depends probably on the, the personality and whoever it is that you're, um, that you're bringing in how much they want to sort of um, put a different stamp on things or if they come in with their own ideas. I mean, there's, there's just so many varying levels of, of ways that, uh, and, and ways that things can change. Um, it's going to be just sort of the jumping off point is whoever they do decide to go with and then kind of see where it goes from there. Um, but I, yeah, I think you know, there's probably going to be. It, it was interesting. As one of the one of the players that I did talk to after the um, um, after the, the managerial change was announced was was Mark Hanna, who's you know an impending free agent, and uh, there's a strong possibility probably that maybe he'll he'll go test that open market and see what else is out there. But um, the point that he made was that if they do keep a fair amount of the player core together, um, he thinks that that they won't pr- really have any problems with transitioning or, or maybe that some of the culture that was established over the last um, at least three or four years when, when this group really has been mostly together uh, and even really maybe going back a little bit before that too with the guys who rose up through the minors together um, that, that can still stick around for a little while and um, even with Melvin not there he thinks that that can you know they, they probably won't have any troubles really going forward and keeping sort of that uh, the same mentality that they had the last couple of years but um, that was kind of dependent on how many people they they keep from in the in the current course. So there are just so many questions kind of going in the off season, and and we'll just have to see how that all that all plays out. Really, you know, when you talk to people from the outside about the A's, for some reason they always have this stigma that the A's are this young baseball team, and you know they're always you know overachieving. And you're like, no, if you start looking at average ages. The A's roster, whether it's position players or their pitchers, they're one of the oldest teams in baseball. When you say that to people, how surprised do you think they are? <laughs> Maybe. I, I guess there probably is sort of that. Well, I think one of the outside, um, uh, maybe stigma is the word where is you look at it as the A's is like the team where they, they develop players, right? The guys like rise through their system and they develop them and, and they're successful with them for a little while before it gets to the point where they're unable to retain them. So, so then they kind of go on and, and begin the next stage of their careers. And so that kind of lends itself to, to pulling together younger players. But, but yeah, to your point, I mean, sometimes uh, it takes a little longer for, for players to kind of hit their stride um, with the A's or it's players that they've acquired from outside and, and then develop like, like Chris Bassett, you know, he's in his early thirties already. So he's not necessarily young, but, um, but he's kind of hitting that prime that maybe some other guys will hit in their late twenties. Uh, that's all sort of dependent. And then the other part of it is when they need to kind of fill in the gaps around the roster, I think they've, they've gone toward, uh, toward bringing in vets, right? Like guys who have a lot of experience. So going out and getting a, you know, signing Jed Lowry to a minor league deal, then him ending up as your second baseman, that's a guy who's 36, 37. So that's going to drive up your, your average age too. And then the relievers like re-signing him, using our petite and going to get Romo. Um, 
yeah, they they will. I, I think maybe in some of those less prominent, or at least kind of the way that they construct the roster, they they, they will kind of go out and and get the free agents who are um, maybe have a lot a uh, lot of experience or maybe a little on the older side. So that probably drives up the average a little bit. Um, so yeah, I guess I guess it could be a little surprising if you look at if you think of just the A's as kind of this, uh, this developing team, but what you got to do, I guess, to to uh, to compete while you're while you're relying on guys that are still young. I'm going to give you a multiple choice question. All right, we're going to take the two mats on the corner. So choice number one is both Matt Chapman and Matt Olson are back next year. Choice number two, one of the mats is gone. Choice number three, they're both gone. Which one would you choose? Which one would I choose for, like, which one do I think is the most likely? Yes. Um, I think, I think just given the sort of sense of direction that, uh, that having, you know, that letting Bob Melvin go to find another, uh, another team lead would indicate that there are, you know, that there are changes coming. And then even though, even in, in the uh, that that end of season press conference, one of the things that, that really stood out the most, I think, was um, when Billy Bean was asked just about the possibility of of signing players to long term extensions, and it was something that he basically straight up said is not an option right now, and is not going to be an option until they figure out their stadium situation. So, um, so with that in mind, and with uh, just kind of the the understanding that. You know, those players are only going to be, you know, while those guys are both obviously maybe the most valuable players on their team, that they are only going to be more expensive in that arbitration process. And, and if they're looking to cut costs and if they're looking to potentially get the most value out of those guys, if they're, if they're going to look to trade them, then maybe now is the time. So, um, so it, it certainly would not shock me to see at least one uh traded over the off season um potentially both i i that that's that's a largely speculative answer but i think you know i i, I don't think it would be surprising to see one or, or even even both depart i think that the most surprising of those options would be if, if next spring arrives and both of them are still on the team all right so the season is now officially over what do you do to disconnect before you have to get it going again me personally? Yeah. <laughs> well, there's not definitely not going to be any disconnecting until uh, until they hire a new manager. Um, we'll see how that process goes. And and I mean, there's you know, there's just so much stuff that goes on in the offseason with uh, with free agency getting going, and then you know whether whether they tender the contracts to all the arbitration players, and then you know uh, this offseason, like you mentioned at the start, there's the CBA questions and whether or not the winter meetings are actually going to happen. So, so there's like plenty of stuff to keep you occupied for sure. Um, I mean, especially now with, with the, just, I mean, the, the manager thing is really front and center. So, um, so there will, there will be no unplugging until, until that uh, question is answered. Um, maybe after the winter meetings and toward, uh, toward that late December, January period, we'll, we'll figure out some, some disconnecting time, but, uh, but until then we'll, we'll mostly be on. All right, buddy. Hey, thanks so much for everything you did for us this year. Great work, and we'll talk to you soon. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, Tony. Matt Kawahara from the San Francisco Chronicle. Cody, we run this show 
on our computers. And I just realized I am out of juice. And my charger is in my house. So coming up next, I'll ask you that question. And also, I didn't realize there are very few people. Don't, don't, don't. What? Oh, so there's breaking news, too. We'll get to it. I already saw that. That's breaking news, too. We, We need to bring it up. I will bring it up, but there's a player in the World Series that did something that very few people have ever done. You just I'm I'm about to give you a big league tease and you just stepped all over it. What's cause this is your last show, because you're going to get married, you think you can do whatever you want. So what so what he did is 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 this better than what happened first marriage or second marriage? There's guys that did that uh, well before you were born. Oh, okay. But what oh. this guy joins a club, like I never even thought of it. It's really, really cool. And he wore pearls. Next, right here on A's Cast Live. This is Chris Townsend for my favorite golf course in the Bay Area, Cinnabar Hills Golf Club. Tucked in the beautiful hills of San Jose, Cinnabar Hills offers the finest 27 holes of championship golf in Silicon Valley. Come see the amazing new renovated clubhouse and restaurant, plus patio dining with the most breathtaking views. Cinnabar Hills is far more than a golf course. One of the premier places in the Bay Area to host weddings and any type of events. There's no golf experience like Cinnabar Hills Golf Club. Go to CinnabarHills.com. That's CinnabarHills.com. A's Cast Live continues from the East Bay. Here's Chris Townsend. Live from the ABC Sports Desk in New York, I'm Chris Townsend. We do have some breaking news kind of shocked by this but i'll give you my opinion after you hear what cody is going to tell you so according to andrew baggerly of the athletic who covers the san francisco giants in all capitals on twitter breaking news sources tell the athletic that buster posey will announce his retirement tomorrow more to come Posey is 34 years old. After returning from a year, he sat out last year of COVID. He adopted two new twin or a pair of twins to go along with his two kids he already had. He's coming back, so like I said, he's 34. Um, had a great year. Hit 304, 18 home runs, 56 runs driven in, a 140 OPS plus, a, 30, a 3.5 WAR. He's had a great career, three World Series championships, MVP, seven-time All-Star, Gold Glove, batting title, Rookie of the Year. You already know my thoughts on him in the Hall of Fame, but apparently Giants have till Sunday to exercise his option for next year. But, uh, you know, here it is. He's retiring at the age of 34. Bit shocking, but it's, I think he went out on his own terms after having a career, you know, a career bounce back year after ha- taking last year off and, you know, last couple of years prior that were pretty down for him. Well, if I had to read the tea leaves. So Buster Posey has a contract or an option, team option, for $22 million and a $3 million buyout. 
that's very young to, to end your career, especially when you sat out a year and to end your, end your career at 34, something's up there. Now, maybe I'm wrong and give, and by the way, Bob Melvin in moments, you're, you're not going to want to miss this as an A's fan, as he will say goodbye to the A's fans. It's very emotional for him, for me, and probably for you too. I am figuring the Giants are telling Buster Posey, we don't want to pay you $22 million. Which then means Buster Posey would then have to, they would have to decline the option. He's got a $3 million buyout. Then they got to like negotiate and go through that. I don't think Posey wants to go through all of that. And I've said this for years. And I'm vindicated when people said, ah, I said, Buster Posey will not play past this contract. I said it for years. I said it on 95.7 The Game. I've said it on A's Cast Live. You've heard me say that. He will not play past this contract. And people are like, no, but he's, he's Buster Posey's going to play. Buster Posey will not play beyond this contract. He will not even get to the option year. How about that? And I knew it because I knew I knew Buster wasn't going to be that guy because it's it's the kind of guy that he is. And I respect it. He he was going to go out on his terms and he was going to go out on his platform, which was of a guy making 22, whatever he's making. What's he making this year? Hold on. He's making 22, 20, almost 22.2 this year. Posey was not going to be a guy that then was going to renegotiate, and now they're paying him $9 million a year. If he wanted to keep playing with the Giants, he was going to have to take a pay cut. And Buster Posey, being who he is, is not taking a pay cut. He's going out as Buster Posey. Because you know how we look at people. When you go from being a guy making huge loot to a guy that takes far less than he was making, that means you're aging, you're not the player you used to be, and some guys you got the you got to rip the uniform off of them, and some guys say, "You know what? I had a good career. I made my money. I won three World Series, won the MVP, rookie of the year, batting title. I'm not going to go down to the next level of being of being pay taken away. I've got he's got one thing with a capital P. Do you know what that capital P is? Pride. He's got pride. And I learned that from my old radio partner, and now he's a nut. But Aubrey Huff talked about Buster Posey is a man of honor. He's a man of faith, and he has a lot of pride. And when you got a lot of pride, you're not going to go, I'm making $22 million and now I'm making eight. You know what? I'll walk away from the game. He'll still be around. I guarantee that they'll give him a statue. He'll be a special assistant. And he had a very good career. No question. Will it be a Hall of Fame career? The voters will decide. But he had a hell of a career. But I guarantee you that word pride is... Now, I could be wrong. He may be done. He might say, I, you know, at some point, like how we long... Howie Long walked away from a lot of money. 
and Howie Long, it was right before camp, and Howie Long just said, and Al Davis was pissed that this happened. This was back in the L.A. Raider days. But Howie just said, I don't want to hit anymore. I don't want to go to camp. I don't want to be hurt. I just don't want to do this anymore. So maybe one of two things. Maybe Buster's just done playing. He wants to do other things in his life. Good for him and good luck. He's got a beautiful family. Or he's got pride. And if Farhan's saying, Buster, we love you, but we can't. We want to continue to win and get free agents and all that kind of stuff. We can't be paying you $22 million for you to drive in 50 runs. Can't do it. As I just went Michael Singletary there on you. That's what I was, yet, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, the bottom line is you can look at his OPS and go, wow, that's really, really good. But yet you're going to have a guy hitting third, making $22 million, driving in 56 runs? That's not the ideal kind of number three hitter making $22 million. So it's either he is done and he's going out on his terms or his pride's kicking in and he's not going to go play for another team and he's not going to go take less money from Farhan. That would be my... And we'll get more into this. But more importantly, we lost our leader. We lost our guy. And if you know all of us around the ball club, we all had a great relationship with Bob Melvin. Bob Melvin meant a lot to everybody with the ball club. And not to get too personal, but he helped me. He helped me when my daughter was diagnosed with diabetes. You know, he personally, from a personal standpoint, beyond the job, Bob has done a lot for me in my life. And I'm going to miss him. And he broke out of meetings. So he was in meetings today with the Padres people. He broke out of the meetings to tape this interview, which he said, like, we were talking to him before the interview. He goes, this is going to be very emotional for me. And then we texted after the interview, and he was emotional. I've never heard Bob be this emotional in an interview. It, it, it tells you everything you need to know about how much he loved the organization and how much he loved you. Here is Bob Melvin. Well, joining us here on A's Cast Live, he will always be one of the great A's of all time and what he meant to this franchise, what he meant to us on this show, what he meant to all the broadcasters, and now we wish him all the luck in the world as he's now heading south to manage the San Diego Padres. I'm not going to say this is the last time he's ever going to be on A's Cast Live, but uh, Bob, we are. I, I, I'm. It, it's so tough for me. I'm grinning my teeth, but I have to say congratulations on a great deal. Thank you, Tony. I mean, man, it, it as hard as it is on you, it's three times harder on me. I mean, I'm always going to consider myself an Oakland A. I loved every minute of being an Oakland A. And even now, after, you know, accepting this and knowing the excitement and knowing the potential and possibilities are here, it's bittersweet in the fact that I just don't see myself in a different color. But you know what? Things happen in baseball. And even talking to my players, I was really worried about that but not one of them said they're harboring any, you know, feelings towards me. They realize this is a business. They understand the situation I was in where nobody's really sure what the next direction is here uh, in Oakland, but 
you know, all things considered, it was just, it just felt like it was time. And, you know, there's still a good team in place. My coaching staff's there still, and they will continue to hit the ground running there. I feel good about that. I'm not running out on a team that's a, a bad team right now. They're still a playoff caliber team. You know, if things uh, go in the direction where all these guys are still here, but just sometimes there's, there's time, it's a time and, and it just felt like this was it. You know, when you got here, there wasn't a culture and there were a lot of issues inside the clubhouse. There was a lot of issues in the organization. You changed all that. And even though there were so many different people and things and hurdles that were thrown at you, you, you still made it work. And you just said, you know, you're leaving, but you're leaving, you're leaving us in a good place. And I just want you to elaborate on, on that, that you know what you built, you know what that is still there. And that's because of what you did. Well, I, you know, I was a part of it and that that's the culture we created there is it was always us. It was never about me. It was about us. And that's the way it has to be. If you're going to change things and it's going to be powerful and everybody has a voice and everybody's, uh, you know, a part of that process. The fact of the matter is Billy Bean is still there. And if Billy Bean is there, then you're always going to have a chance. And I appreciate him and what he's done for my career in extending me, you know, through thick and thin. We did have three years there that we weren't very good. So he's meant as much to my career as anybody. And as long as Billy Bean's still there, then, then Oakland is always going to be in a good place. And, and it always has and will start with him. You know, if you, you you have to say goodbye to the fans, the fans that loved you so much. And I know like on the nights when we had fireworks or it was a bobblehead, you wanted to win so bad for the fans because you love them and they loved you. How do you say goodbye to the A's fan base? Hey, I, I can't. I mean, I, they, they were when I first got there and I didn't know who anybody was on the team, basically, and wasn't familiar with anybody. It's a really, really you know, similar situation to what I'm walking into here right now, but they were my main inspiration. And, and I was a fan of the Oakland A's. I've sat in those stands. I've said oftentimes I've gone to concerts in the Oakland Coliseum. The fans there were my inspiration to get me through what it was a time there early on when I wasn't sure how long I'd be there. I wasn't comfortable but it always resonated back to me that the fans uh, and I was one of those were really, really my main inspiration. I'll always thank the fans there. They've always meant a lot to me. Uh, when, when things weren't going well, I felt, I felt bad. I felt responsible because I knew that uh, I did not want to let those fans down. Um, so that's, that's when a, a, a real constant uh, every day I was in Oakland A. You know, I think about that one moment we had in 2012 where the A's lost that final game to the Detroit Tigers, and it was an emotional season. It was raw emotion, and you called in to the postgame show. We didn't ask you. You called into the postgame show to say thank you to the fans, and fans for years have said, I pulled over because I was crying what it meant to have Bob call in. I don't know what kind of connection you're going to have with Padre fans, but the connection that you had with this franchise and, and, and these fans, I don't know if you'll ever get that again. You know, Tony, you're going to make me cry here. So, um, 
you know, it, it's interesting because I, I was in, in the car with my with my daughter Lexi, and I was listening to the show, and I felt like it was winding down, and I literally pulled over. I pulled my car over. She goes, "What are you doing?" I said, "I'm calling into the show. Hopefully, I can get in because I wanted to thank the fans for what they meant for us that year, and we would not have gotten to the postseason. We would have not gotten to that last game and won it." without the fans there. So you can call them fans, but they were more than that in Oakland, especially that year. Uh, they picked us up and they carried us to the end. And, you know, the last day after the last game, we're finally in first base, at first place. Our fans were a huge part of that. You know, when, I, I, when people were wondering, like, why did this happen? Because this was just out of nowhere. It was uh, really off the radar. I tried to explain that, that for you and your wife and your life, that this isn't going to be a long-term deal. You got a couple more years in you, and I know there's things that you want to do. You want to travel. You want to experience life, and that there's so much uncertainty here in Oakland. It's just a reality on the field, off the field, that this was a more stable opportunity. And really, with the with the players that you got in San Diego, Bob, wouldn't you say you're walking into a situation? I mean, they need an adult in the room, and if they get that adult in their room, who knows what this team can do? You know, I appreciate you saying that, and there, that that was a lot of, of part of the decision. Um, you know, in, in Oakland, it's it's no secret. There's cycles every few years. I don't know if that's going to be the case, but I had to consider that. And I had to look at this situation and say, you know, where do I have one really good chance left? Because this is going to be it. This will probably be it for me. Um, and I didn't even know that I, that I would manage three more years. But looking at this situation here, you have to commit uh, for a period of time. And all those things that you just said were, were a lot of the consideration on why I finally had to, to make a move. So when you go into something new, Obviously, this is going to be different than when you get, you know, you got to show up and in Chicago. You have no idea who your players are. We're talking about 2011 when you showed up to replace Bob Guerin and you had to look at the back of guys jerseys to know who they were. Then you got on the plane and you're looking at the media guide trying to figure out who your players are. This is a whole different situation. You're going to have an off season. You're going to have a spring training. What do you think it's going to be like getting to know a Fernando Tatis or a Manny Machado or an Eric Hosmer? Yeah, those names, you know, um, but it, it's, it, you know, it's, it's the same type of process, but like you said, it's not in the middle of the season. You do have an off season to get to know guys. You do have a spring training to go through to kind of get a feel and sense where the team is. Uh, going through some organizational meetings right now, which I'm starting to get a little better sense. But I do feel in a lot of ways similar to when I did when I first got there that, you know, I'm kind of the Lone Ranger here. I really don't know too many people here. Everybody's trying to do their best to make me feel comfortable, and they are. But like you said, it's just a little bit different in the fact that, you, you, you know, you, you have some time. You're not hitting the ground running in the middle of the season. So in, in that respect, it's different. You know, so many years in Oakland, you know, it's obviously you're the skipper of the A's. You're like the shiny new toy right now. I mean, what's that like being in those meetings in San Diego? You're like the you're like the present on Christmas Day right now. Yeah, you, you have to realize that, uh, you know, when you talk about the A's, you can't say we. And I, I do like every single time and I have to catch myself. 
And I tell myself, don't do that again. And I do it the very next time again. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm glad this isn't during the season. Uh, and there's some time to get used to that. Got time to get to use new colors, a whole new place, a whole new ballpark, a whole, you know, everything. But to, to, to think that you can just say, okay, um, you know, you just move on from your days in a place like Oakland as long as I've been there, that, that's a really hard thing to do. How are you going to build your staff? Have you started working on that? Because you, you got you got a lot of guys you got to go out and get. I know they hired a pitching coach before you got there, but uh, that can't be easy. No, and, you know, at least we have a, a, some time to do it. And, and actually, the pitching coach, I was interviewing during that time. So uh, I knew Ruben from his days in, in Cleveland and what he's meant to that, that pitching staff for years and years. So that wasn't just said, hey, look, we've hired a pitching coach. I was actually part of that process to an extent. Well, we know this team has swagger, so Cody wants to ask you a question, and, and he would also like to say goodbye also. Uh, Bob, you know, thanks again for all the time you gave us. Uh, I know we exchanged a text last week, but, you know, for all the time you gave us over the last couple of years with the Bob Melvin Show, uh, and even my time going back to when I worked at the uh, at 95.7 The Game when you were a guest with us on the morning show, I appreciate it all the time, but I do want to ask you, Will we see you in a swag chain this year in uh, in San Diego? You know, you you actually have to, to do something uh, to to wear that chain, like hit a homer or something like that. I'm guessing I I'm not going to do that. So unless someone actually puts it on me, uh, I'm guessing no. So uh, I've been told that maybe there's some pictures out there superimposed. I don't know about that, but. <laughs> Uh, that is for the players, and these are the guys that really uh, actually make the difference. So short answer to your question is I'm probably not going to have one made and wear it openly uh, around town all the time. Uh, that's more for the players. But great question, Cody, and thank you so much. Which you, you know, we have a long relationship. I feel like you're a friend of mine, and, uh, you know, you both you guys have meant so much to me. So I, I appreciate, appreciate you coming on and asking me a question. You know, it's uh, so interesting about San Diego, which, you know, a lot of us uh, up here kind of understand with the Raiders, is when the San Diego Chargers moved to L.A., they became the only game in town. And San Diego really is embracing, as you said, with attendance, the place is electric, but just not, you know, talking about attendance, just knowing, you know, being from there and my brother being a season ticket holder. How does it feel that you know that there is a city that is absolutely jacked that you were down there? Well, you got that right. You know, as we said, you know, when we were there in last year and it was a Tuesday night and there were 40,000 people in the stands and Tatis ends up hitting a homer and then Machado and it felt like a playoff game here. They are the only team in town. They were third in attendance last year and didn't really open up to full capacity until later on in the season. So uh, it, it is a place that, that is really, really digging for a, for a, a, a playoff team, a world champion. And, uh, you know, it just seems like, you know, a lot of the things that you try to consider, it seems like the, this place is kind of it, it headed towards a crescendo as far as, you know, where, where the fans are, you know, such a great ballpark. Uh, the commitment that ownership has made to the players here, the payroll and everything is kind of as good as it's ever been here. So obviously that played into it. You know, you, you've, you, you've been around a lot of great players, Hall of Famers. You know, when you first came up with the Detroit Tigers, all the way to being around Ichiro or Randy Johnson, 
Fernando Tatis seems to be like one of those guys. Like, think about all the great Hall of Famers and players you've been around. Then you look at this kid. Do you see this kid being like those guys you've been around? Yeah, I mean, look, he's really young still. But he's one of those guys you just can't take your eyes off of. And when you come to watch a baseball game, you know, he's the kind of guy that you watch him at the plate, you watch him in the field, you watch him go into the dugout, you try to peek at him when he's in the dugout. He's just one of those exciting players, those generational type players that you can't take your eyes off of. So, um, yeah, that's going to be exciting. You know, Manny Machado not too bad a player himself. I mean, every year that when you go into when the season opens that Manny Machado's name is, is you know, in for the MVP. So you have two really, really primetime players here. That, that's awfully exciting. Well, when you do your first Bob Melvin show down there in San Diego, I hope you feel like you're cheating on me. <laughs> that's, that's a great way to end it, Townie. Uh, <laughs> guilt me at, at the end. I appreciate that. But you know I will. And you know me well enough to, to, to you know get that little dig in at the end because you know that's how I think. And, and I'll try to put that out of my mind when I do it. But, but now uh, it probably will be that way every show I do. Well, I'm not going to cry, Bob, but no one's going to miss you more than me. Nobody. Well, thank you. And, uh, man, it's, uh, you know, there are times in your life where you have to try to reflect. But I think Chris Bass said it, Chris Bassett said it best. You know, you just, you know, try not to be sad about things. I'm trying not to be sad about it. Um, And I'm awfully happy that I was able to do that. It's a big part of my life. Um, we'll always love you Bob we'll always love you you be well my friend and we'll be rooting for you thank you and appreciate everything Tony you're the best never heard his voice like that before all the years I've been interviewing him I've never heard it like that that tells you how emotional this this decision was this was really, really hard for him and his family. Really hard. And it is what it is. As I told you, and you heard there, and I told you when this first happened, Bob's not going to manage for a long, long time. Bob's got a couple more years in him. If it works, great. If not, he's got things he wants to do. His wife wants to travel. He wants to travel. So he saw an opportunity. Well, the opportunity came to him. Like, San Diego called the A's. It wasn't like the A's called San Diego. San Diego called the A's. And the opportunity was there. More years, more money. You in. And the whole thing about where we are, you know, there's a lot of questions about us on the field and off the field. This team has been about winning now. But next year, I'm not, I don't know what we're going to, I don't know if anybody knows what we're going to look like next year. You possibly could say, as Mark Canna told Matt Carhar, well, you know, you keep certain guys and then you build build people around that, you're still in this thing. Or it could be a total, hey, we got to change things up. 
We don't know. Well, Bob's got two, three years left. So he's got to he's got to know now. And Bob would never make the new ballpark. Whether that ballpark is in Oakland or wherever, he would he would not make the new ballpark. So the new ballpark thing doesn't matter to him. But you could tell Cody, and we've heard, I mean, countless interviews with him, ne- never heard him that emotional. And it tells you what, how Bob feels about this organization, how Bob feels about you, the fans. Yeah, and it was good. I think it was good closure for everyone to hear Bob speak one last time to everyone and so they can hear how he felt about, you know, everything. And, you know, the part where he talked about pulling over to the side of the road when he was in the car with his daughter to let, you know, then we called into you almost, that was almost 10 years ago now, after the, the 2012 season led to him know about how much the fans meant to him and all that like that. That just shows you the type of person Bob was and the relationship he had with not just you and, and everyone affiliated with the team, but like the fans, how, how much they meant to him. So it was it was good to do that final interview with Bob. And again, it's not like it's going to be the last time we're going to talk to him. The, the A's will play the Padres again, not this year, but we'll play the Padres again and we'll talk to him. And, you know, we like to have, you know, we like to do the preview show for different teams. And, you know, Bob's going to be our Padres guy now for any time we want to talk about the Padres. We'll try to get him as much as we can. I mean, we, we love our Padres guys we have, you know, Teddy Teddy Ballgame, Ted Leitner and all that, but they all are now second fiddle to Bob. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm rooting for him, and in, in, like I told you, I'm rooting for him in San Diego, except for when they play the Pirates six times a year. So, Bob, I'm sorry. You can go 156 and 0, or 156 and 6 for all I care. Just don't win those six games. But it was good for the fans to hear those those six, the, those, that was, was like 15 and a half minutes to do with Bob. So, it was good to, to hear his voice one last time and to get that kind of closure that uh, everyone was kind of expecting that they would get from him. Yeah, and, th- and there, there's always movement in professional sports. It's no no one lasts forever. It's just, it, it, I hate to say it is what it is, but it is what it is. And the future is, who knows? But good luck to him. Going to be rooting for him. No doubt about it. And Bob was a special manager. Uh, it'll be it'll be interesting to see if everybody, if anybody could ever go for his mark. I mean, the fact that he broke Tony LaRusso's record, I mean, that says a lot right there. But now, I mean, to manage a long time and to win a lot of games. Bob won a lot of games. The winningest manager in Oakland A's history. I mean, you're going to have to manage probably more than 11 years unless you have just a bunch of these killer years. Because, I mean, Bob had really good years. and They had really good runs. But, boy, we're going to miss him. I mean, think about losing Fossey, Dick Callahan, Bob Melvin. It's all just back to back to back. God. Brutal. Absolutely brutal. But you move on. And the A's have to move on. And that's that's why I have the feeling, I don't know if I'm right or I'm wrong, but I have the feeling that the guy that's next in line is is a guy that's been here. That's what I would bet. 
kind of keep the same culture. You're going to want to put your own little stamp on it. But for the most part, uh, you want to keep the same kind of culture around because that culture has been winning. I can tell you this, Bob Nightingale of the USA Today, when this whole thing went down, was at the World Series and ran into Tony La Russa. And Tony, like, shook his head and went, best manager in the business. I can't believe it. Tony La Russa really believes Bob Manager is the best in baseball right now. Dusty Baker couldn't believe it. Dusty's probably like, get, get him out of the division. That's great. Bet the Angels are happy. I bet the Mariners are happy. <laughs> but we'll see how um, we'll see how Bob does in San Diego, where the Dodgers, according to Vegas, are still the favorites going into next year. What are the Giants going to look like? What are the Giants going to look like without Buster Posey if he is retiring tomorrow? Is it time for the Joey Bart era? I wish I had that Bart sound effect, the Bart horn. Uh the big thing on Twitter for the last, like, 30 minutes has been Buster Posey, first ballot Hall of Famer, no question. He's going in. His case is going to be, you know, compelling in five years. You know, a lot of people saying he's going to go in. A lot of people saying maybe, you know. I I, I don't know. I, I, me, personally, I, I just don't think that the longevity is there and the, 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 the individual accolades are there. And the World Series titles are nice. But I, I look at more what you did as an individual player. Because how many World Series did uh, how, uh well this is a different sort how many Super Bowls did Joe uh, did Dan Marino win and he's in the Pro Football Hall of Fame so I don't want to hear about Super Bowls or World Series, um, but it's gonna his case is gonna be compelling. But you're right about the Giants. Like is Joey Bart gonna take over? Joey Bart was up in 2019. He he, he couldn't hit, and they they and he he barely made, he was in the majors like a couple games last year and that was it. He didn't even sniff the majors last year. Other than that, it's because of the year Buster had, but still. It's gonna be it's gonna be it's gonna be very curious to see how the Giants rebuild their team for next year, and they they gotta go up against Bob's team in San Diego, and you know the Dodgers are still gonna be good. All right, coming up next, we're heading to Houston. What's it like the day after you lose the World Series? You'll find out next, right here on A's Cast Live. This is Chris Townsend for my favorite golf course in the Bay Area, Cinnabar Hills Golf Club. Tucked in the beautiful hills of San Jose, Cinnabar Hills offers the finest 27 holes of championship golf in Silicon Valley. Come see the amazing new renovated clubhouse and restaurant, plus patio dining with the most breathtaking views. Cinnabar Hills is far more than a golf course. One of the premier places in the Bay Area to host weddings and any type of events. There's no golf experience like Cinnabar Hills Golf Club. Go to CinnabarHills.com. That's CinnabarHills.com. Streaming from the East Bay, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. And Todd Callis from the Houston Astros is going to join us coming up here. And, you know, it's always interesting talking to Astros people because, you know, they, they, they've lived through all of this. And they've had a terrific run, and this was the World Series to win. Well, so was the last one before that. But, yeah, I mean, this was vindication. And they came up short. The run, you cannot deny. But, man, it's got to hurt. And will the band stay together? And when you talk about that band, that band, you know, Carlos Correa. God, you think about Justin Verlander. You know, Verlander was throwing at the end of the year. I mean, obviously, someone's going to pick him up. And what's tough about TV guys 
that you take the team to a certain point and then you don't televise the games anymore. Can you imagine how rough that would be? Like all of a sudden you're just, you know, you're you're just you're just bystander. Todd, how you doing? Chris Townsend with the Oakland A's. What's up, Chris? Well, we you know, we were just talking about, you know, when you're a TV guy, what's so tough is is you take the team from I'm sure you did spring training games, then you start the year, you and Blummer, and you go all throughout the year, and all of a sudden the playoffs start, and then you're not broadcasting games. That that's gotta stink. Yeah, not ideal, but you kind of know the gig going in. Uh TV's always kind of operated that way. The radio guys get to continue on, and the TV guys kind of go by the wayside. I have been working in, in the past with pregame and postgame shows uh, when I was with the Rays, and uh, unfortunately we don't do that with the Astros. So it's just uh, you're doing a couple of things on social media, but you're really kind of just more of a spectator than anything else once the playoff hit. How tough was this one losing when – this felt like if this was the year to kind of like vindicate 2017, this was the year. Just how tough was this series loss for the Astros and this core players? Yeah, they're never easy when you get to the final few games and you just fall short. Uh, for me, the 2019 season was even more frustrating uh, knowing how good that team was. That was the best team I've ever been around and probably ever will be around. Uh, they easily were better than the 2021 team I thought the 2021 team overachieved a little bit especially once they lost Lance McCullers Jr. down 2-1 in Boston looking like the Red Sox were on a roll for them to come back and win those next three games was phenomenal uh they just got to the point where they were running on fumes they ran out of arms their offense did not hit well against the Braves tip of the cap to the Braves pitching staff who locked down the best offense in all of baseball so um difficult, like I said, when you get close to the finish line but can't cross it. But uh, to me, the 2019 season was the more frustrating of the two. Yeah, you think about the Atlanta Braves because, you know, if we go back early in the playoffs, look out here in the Bay Area, you know, they were talking about, hey, whoever wins between the Giants and the Dodgers, this team becomes the favorite. And we're like, wait a minute. Of course, we're the A's, so we're like, wait a minute. Atlanta, this is a red-hot team going into the postseason. Let's not be so sure that they're going to be a pushover. And not always does the best team overall win, but it's the hottest team. And wouldn't you say the Braves proved that once again here in the postseason? Yeah, point well taken. I thought the Nationals were on the same kind of run a couple of years ago, and they did that in come-from-behind fashion. They kept getting on a run, and they kept beating teams. Next thing you know, they were world champions. Same thing for the Braves. This year, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, they were the 12th best record in all of baseball. They were behind two teams that didn't even make the postseason in Toronto and also the Seattle Mariners and just barely ahead of other teams like the A's. So, yeah, they, they did not dominate in the regular season. They played very well once they got uh, past the trading deadline and made those acquisitions. And then in the postseason, they were on a roll, like you said. But you weren't the only ones out there who thought that the narrative was whoever won the the, the Dodgers-Giants series was going to be representing the National League. I thought a lot of people felt the same way. And it's so tough for fan bases to do, especially the day after. But sometimes you just got to tip your cap to the other guy. It's just a reality. You, you know what I mean? The other guys get paid too, and, and it's not easy to win. No, you're right. And I felt that, you know, like I said earlier, I thought the Astros overachieved a bit, and so did the Braves. But the Braves were clearly the better team in this series. 
the Astros needed to win game four when they were ahead two to nothing late, couldn't add on to their lead, and then gave up a couple of late home runs that really hurt. So, uh, yeah, you've got to tip your cap. The Braves were good. They beat the Dodgers. They took care of Milwaukee. Uh, and then they beat up the Astros a little bit, winning uh, in six games. So, yes, uh, well-deserved. Brian Snicker did a great job. The Atlanta Braves, 2021 champions, even though it's hard to uh, the next day really digest and feel good about it. But uh, the Braves deserved it for sure. Were you surprised how just Atlanta out-homered the Astros in the series? Yeah, that was the last narrative that I thought was going to play out. I mean, the Astros have up and down the lineup guys that can hit the ball out of the yard, and only hitting two uh, in that six-game series was not something I saw happening. And, yes, the Braves uh, really, you know, the Solaire home run, Dansby Swanson hit a couple of big home runs, uh, Duvall hit the grand slam, and all over the board, they 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 outplay the Astros in every facet, and, and hitting home runs was one of those. But, yes, the fact – the Bay dominated the home run category against the Astros was not a storyline that I saw coming. Obviously, bullpens played a big game. I mean, we grew up with this whole notion that, you know, momentum in baseball is the next day starting pitcher. And we don't even know some days who's starting. Is it going to be an opener? Is he going to go an inning, two innings? I hope we kind of revert back to old school baseball. Obviously, things were different coming out of 2020 with a shortened season. A lot of people think it affected the pitchers. Just how weird this postseason, this series where, man, you got relievers starting. Relievers are covering so many innings. Uh, Did you like this style or would you like it to go back more of an old school traditional way? Um. I kind of like the old school, but I know that we'll, we'll never get back to the day when there's four starters that go six or seven innings each. That's not the way the game's played anymore. Um, certainly what the Astros did was kind of by circumstance, they had to kind of fill some gaps after the injury to Lance McCullers Jr. Uh, Zach Greinke wasn't fully stretched out, so they had to count on a lot of young guys. Going into the series, you knew the bullpen was going to have to play a major role. Then when Charlie Morton got hurt for the Braves, same thing happened with Atlanta for games four and five, where they basically had two back-to-back bullpen days. Um, it's not ideal, but it's the way the game is played. And I don't see it ever reverting back to the days uh, when you would have, you know, the four twenty game winners for the Baltimore Orioles and, and guys that would go into the playoffs and pitch uh, six or seven innings each as a starter. I think nowadays, if you get a five inning start for a starter, if he's not your ace, you'll take it. Uh, it's rare that you see guys that are going to go seven, eight innings. That just doesn't happen much anymore. We were joking earlier today. Do you think a front office could stomach a Jack Morris going into the 10th inning of a Game 7 World Series game? How funny is that, right? That's crazy. <laughs> it's It's so anachronistic now. You can't even imagine it happening. I mean, but that was great baseball when they uh, were locked in that that incredible duel with him and Smoltz. You know, one guy that could be that guy, and we have no idea what his future is. He he may be the, if there's ever going to be a guy to win 300 games again, Justin Verlander is the only guy that realistically has a shot. What do we know about Justin Verlander and his rehab from Tommy John surgery? And is there a chance he could be back with the Astros next year? 
I think anything's possible. And I think uh, the, to answer your first question, Verlander has been throwing a little bit lately. Uh, he is not ready to pitch. Obviously he wouldn't uh, have been available in the, in the playoffs and wasn't in the world series either. Uh, but he is throwing a little bit on the side, just starting to build up in his rehab. So he'll be a full go come spring training 2022, whether that is in a Astros uniform or another uniform remains to be seen. I do believe the Astros may offer him the qualifying offer just so they can get a draft pick back. They do believe that he will get an offer of at least that quality from somewhere else. So it's a little bit of a risk if they don't, uh, because I'm not sure. Uh, whether or not he will. I think the Tigers might have an interest in bringing him back. I'm sure other teams will take a look at Verlander once he starts throwing for real and decide whether uh, what he's worth and for how many years. But yes, I think it's possible he's in an Astros uniform, um, but I, I don't know if it's likely or not. We'll just have to see. But I do think the QO, the qualifying offer, may come uh, from the Astros for Justin in the offseason. The, the big name is Carlos Correa, and the talent is off the charts. I think Carlos Correa is is the tough guy in the room and you know when when everything went down with the Astros he was clearly a guy that was ready to stand up and fight and uh I I was very impressed by that and um if if I was an Astros fan my god I would not want I not want to see him walk out that door just in your crystal ball what do you think happens with him does he stay in Houston or do you think he'll go somewhere else I have a hard time believing he's going to stay, and it's because the Astros just don't give out the number of years that Carlos wants. It hasn't been part of their MO since I've been here and prior to me being here for the last five years. I mean, they extended out the they extended Bregman five years, six years. Nobody uh, has received a deal of 10 years, and I think Carlos is looking for that big mega deal that's going to lock him up for the rest of his life and also put him with an organization for the next nine or 10 years. So, uh, I would love to see it happen. Carlos is unquestionably the leader of this team. Um, he has grown into that role. He has grown up here in Houston since he was the number one overall pick and debuted in 2015 as the AL Rookie of the Year. Uh, and the fans love him. I mean, there's so many boxes he checks. He would be missed. As much as George Springer was a leader on this team, he was a different type of leader. Uh, Carlos kind of is a leader for all the different parts of the team. Uh, roster his pitching staff he's a leader in the infield he's a captain behind the scenes he and Maldonado so yeah it's um it's a big ask if the Astros do sign him it'll be precedent setting because they usually don't go those the number of years that Carlos is looking for and you don't need to do that to win I mean obviously your time in Tampa and you think about you know what we do here in Oakland there's franchises that don't do that and go to the playoffs a lot. It's just a reality. Fans want you to sign everybody to long-term deals and keep the core together and keep them here forever. But, you know, you get in trouble a lot of times when you sign those big, long-term contracts. And your time in Tampa and obviously your time coming out here to Oakland, you realize you don't have to do that to win. No, you don't. And the turnover with the A's and the Rays certainly is a little bit shorter than the turnover here with the Astros. I, I, I think the Astros fans have been blessed to have that infield intact uh, really since Correa or since Bregman and Gurriel uh, joined Correa and Altuve in that diamond. The, the four infielders there together for the number of games they were in the playoffs. No other uh, quartet has played more playoff games than them together, uh, 73 games. So, uh, Astros fans have to feel good about how long the run they had with those four guys together, but it doesn't last forever. I would love to see Carlos here, but I think at this point it's less than 50-50 that he's back. 
And Dusty Baker was a godsend for the Houston Astros. There is no question about that. He gets the team to the World Series. He was the guy that could step up front in front of the players, take the bullets, and uh, obviously what a great man Dusty Baker is. Uh, do you see Dusty being back next year with the club? Yeah, I would. it would be hard not to bring him back. I would be shocked if he's not back um, because – all he's done since he's been here is get them within a game of the World Series in 2020 and then this year get to the World Series and fall a little bit short. But Dusty, uh, you're right. I mean, the timing to have Dusty come in and so well-respected throughout the game can tell incredible stories, and not just in baseball, all walks of life, uh, was not part of what happened in 2017. So he still had to wear it, got a lot of questions about it. And, um, he was the perfect guy at the perfect time to come in there after A.J. Hinch. So, yeah, I would think based on what happened here in the two years and Dusty wanting to come back uh, for at least another season, uh, I would be surprised if he doesn't get extended for next year at least. Yeah, everybody wanted to go with the young guy. Everybody wanted to go with, hey, these guys under got to understand the data. We are still in a people-person business. And thank God that guys like Tony LaRussa and Dusty Baker showed us that the old guys – can still communicate and get the best out of these young guys. You got to see it every day. Yeah, there is definitely a blend between the data-driven and the old-school managers, for sure. And keep in mind, Dusty was hired before James Click came over from Tampa Bay. So I, I do think those guys have found a, a common ground in between the old-school and the new wave analytics. And, I, you know, Dusty is going to be here, like I said, hopefully uh, at least one more year. And then beyond that, then maybe James Click can go to a younger manager. But you're right. There, there aren't that many old school guys around. And it was interesting to see both Tony LaRusso and Dusty Baker uh, rehired at their ages. And here they were meeting in the first round of the playoffs, both division winners this year. Well, I got to tell you, your, your broadcast uh, your broadcast partner, Jeff Blum, he's one of our favorite. And I listen to you guys. You guys are informative. You guys are fun. I like watching you guys when we're not playing. You guys do a hell of a job. So enjoy your off season and can't wait. Hopefully we're all traveling and we'll see you next year. I hope so, Chris. We really miss traveling, but hopefully we'll see you out in Oakland next year. You take care. Thank you. There are a lot of questions in the American League West, boy. There are a lot. I mean, every team's got a lot of questions. Well, maybe besides Texas because they're rebuilding. They don't even have questions. You're just – they're a few years away. But you're right, though. I mean, are the Angels going to get any pitching? Uh, Will Trout stay healthy for an entire year? Seattle hasn't had expectations, and you look at their numbers and you wonder, how the hell did they have that record? Will that translate again for another season? What's, what are the A's going to do with their roster? You're talking about, my God, the Astros could, I mean, they could be losing some serious dudes. So. Did you did you hear about what, uh, what happened to Kyle Seeger? So the, the Mariners, as expected, are not picking up his option for next year. But apparently, Jerry DePoto didn't even call him. The assistant general manager sent him an email to let him know they weren't picking up his option. Or maybe they – no, they sent an email to his agent to let them know they weren't picking up the option. Really? You can't even call the player? You have to send an email from the assistant general manager? 
let me ask you, in today's baseball, does that surprise you? No, it doesn't. But, but then again, let, let, let me ask you, in today's sports, does that surprise you? It doesn't. The only reason I think I was a little surprised is because Seager, because how long he was with the organization. But, I, I mean. These, these, these guys are, they're cold. Front office people are cold, man. It's just the way it is. I mean, like Liam Hendricks. I don't think there was a whole lot of dialogue between Liam Hendricks and the front office when he left. I think when he won reliever of the year, there was like a, hey, a congratulations. But, uh, yeah, I Liam went and signed with the White Sox, and there was basically nothing. So it's just, I just think that's kind of the way the uh, the business goes. I mean, and I think you can, I mean, I can tell you the NFL is completely heartless. Well, I'm not surprised there. Um, but, you know, I, you know, when, when you, when you mentioned earlier about Todd Callis, I thought you, I thought the last name would kind of, you know, would remember the, the last name would ring a bell a little bit. He, his dad is the legendary, Harry? his dad is the legendary Harry Callis. Oh, did not know that. Yeah. So, um, Mickey Morandini. But the, the AL West, uh, if you look at, you know, Seattle, uh, you say Kikuchi opted, opted out of his deal, so he's no longer a Mariner. But we knew that from our, our conversation with Ryan Divish where he told us from the Seattle, Seattle Times that he wasn't probably going to be back next year. So Seattle's going to have – they're going to look different. Are they going to add anybody? What happens with Mitch Hanniger this offseason? Uh, the Astros, as you mentioned, they're going to lose some guys. You know, probably Carlos Correa, Verlander, Granke, some bullpen guy. Kendall Graven's a free agent. The A's, they have 11 free agents. They're all older guys. Uh, our free agents are all older. They're all 30 years or older. And then you have two guys with options. Who's our youngest player? Um, position player or pitcher or just overall? Position player. Our youngest position player, if you want to look, is probably Murph or Sean uh, or Ramon Laureano. They're both 26. Oh, I was going to say Ramon's like 27. or. They're both 26. So our, young, our youngest guy is 26. Yeah, I'm looking at guys that play every day. Uh, I'm going to say because Luis Barrera is like 23 or something like that. But Well, he, he was just a couple. Yeah. Guys. And then pitch, I'm talking about our, 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 our best guys. And then our p- pitching, pitching wise, Dalton Jeffries is 25. But if you want to go from starters and make 10 He's plus not, starts. He was just, he, I mean, Dalton Jeffries, you can't count him. Youngest starters, either Cap or Cole Irvin, and they're both 27. We are not young at all. Not even close. We're not the Orioles or the Rangers right now. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Or the opposite. Although the Giants' average age is gonna is gonna go down, we might be the oldest team after the after Buster Posey retires. Allegedly, he's apparently gonna retire tomorrow. If you missed that, are we gonna get the Bob Melvin interview up on the uh, for on the website for people to download? Yes, we'll have that. I'll have that up later today. I'm sure gonna miss him. That's going to get a lot of downloads. I know that for sure. Well, he meant a lot to this franchise. I mean, when you, and I, I hope when if people haven't heard it and you're just tuning in and you get a chance to listen to it, just listen to his voice as it about cracks multiple times. It was a very emotional interview for him. 
Never heard them like that before. And it tells you what this place really meant to him. And we are going to miss him a great deal. Uh, you want to do some buying? This is our last show for a while. Because, not my fault, I want to grind this thing to the end. I'm not the one getting married. I'm not the one that's leaving A's cast live. Um, not sorry, I, I guess is what the kids say. Hashtag not sorry. But yeah, we can do a couple buying or selling. It's time for buying or selling. Sell, sell. Right now with Chris Townsend on A's Cast Live. All right, so we'll base the first couple real quickly off of uh, what we were talking about earlier, which is free agency. And we'll start with uh, the Braves and uh, Frederick Freeman. Uh, Freddie Freeman's been with the Braves organization since 2007. He won the MVP last year. He's the heart and soul of the Atlanta Braves. He's the clubhouse leader. Buster Olney said earlier today he thinks he's uh, undoubtedly going to be a Hall of Famer. Buster, please stop the uh, train a little bit. He's only 32 years old. Please stop saying he's a Hall of Famer right now. Just like we say that about everybody. He needs to play a few more years before we put all these guys into the Hall of Fame. But Freeman's had a good career. But anyway, like I said, he's played 12 years with the Braves, and he just won the World Series last night. That's the third most seasons played with a single team at a time of a player's first title among active players behind only Ryan Zimmerman, who won with the Nationals in 2019. And I went back and looked. They were 47-42 and 42 at the All-Star break because I mentioned that the Braves were one of only two teams to ever be under 500 at the All-Star break to win the World Series. He was with them for 15 years. Clayton Kershaw was with the Dodgers for 13 years last year when they won the World Series. So Freddie Freeman's a free agent after now. Well, I guess effectively today, he's a free agent. Buying or selling game six was Freddie Freeman's last game as an Atlanta Brave. Oh, oh, stop it. Stop it. Are you kidding me? This guy's a franchise guy. He's a statue guy. Okay. Well, all right. So I'll do another you, one. You, you, you think he could leave? I don't know. What if the Yankees are offering a ton of money? That's I'm just throwing the Yankees out there because everyone's going to think the Yankees are going to sign him. But they're not. No, I, mean, I think I think he's staying with I think he's staying with Atlanta. Let me let me look at his career stats here. He has good numbers. Two hundred and seventy-one home runs, nine hundred and forty-one RBIs, and eight ninety-three career OPS. He's only thirty-one years old. Five more years puts him, you know, well over a thousand RBIs. Where does he run scored? Because you just got to look at like already the OPS says he's a Hall of Famer. What's his, what's his war? Uh, I got to go back up. He's a 43.1. He'll, he'll get to 60. Yeah, I, 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 you know what? You, you, you went after Buster. I, I'm going to stick with my friend Buster Olney because I, I got to think Freddie Freeman. I mean, he's, he plays into his late thirties. He needs less than 20 points to get to 60. I think he goes in the Hall of Fame. No, I think he will, too. I just don't think he's a Hall of Famer right now. I think he needs a couple more years. Um, I agree with that. But, yeah, he's got an MVP, right? Yes, that's true. All right, I'll do another one without doing all the – It's a short season, but still he got was, it. I mean, he won – He won. well, he won the MVP after having COVID, and he came back and won the MVP. That's still pretty remarkable. Uh, buying or selling, game six was the last time we see Carlos Correa as a Houston Astro. 
Well, I just heard Todd Callis from Houston say it is, so I will buy that. Okay. All right. Well, we'll go with that one. All right. So the shortstop market is going to be a the, the most sought-after one in free agency this winter with big names like Javi Baez, Carlos Correa, Trevor Story, Marcus Simeon, and Corey Seager. Now, let's focus on Corey Seager here. The 27-year-old hit 306 with 16 homers and 54 runs driven in and 353 at-bats, although I wrote 353 games this year. That'd be remarkable if he only had that many home runs in 353 games this year for the Dodgers. He was the NLCS and World Series MVP last year in 2020, but he only he's only played in uh, he's only played 95 games this year and only played in 140 games twice in his seven-year career. Now the rumors are that he could end up with the Yankees, who plan on playing Glaber Torres at second base. The Dodgers also got Trey Turner at the deadline, so they could realistically move on from Seager and put Turner at shortstop. Buying or selling, Corey Seager will be the next New York Yankees shortstop. Selling, he's going to be the Dodgers shortstop. Uh, I don't. I, you're probably right, but I could still see the Yankees making a big run at him. I. You just look at guys like that, and you know what he did. He's a world. He's a World Series MVP. He's the NLCS MVP. And you got to say the the one injury that Tommy John was a fluke injury for a shortstop. Yeah, we said that about Albert Pujols, too, and he left after winning a World Series with the Cardinals, so I don't know if that. Yeah, because he got 200-something million dollars. Is Corey Seager going to get 200-something million dollars? I don't know. I don't know what he's going to get, but he might get more than the Dodgers can offer him. Who knows? Who, who has more money than the Dodgers? Uh, Well, they. I mean, after next year, they only have, like, a couple guys on the books, and uh, we don't. We haven't mentioned this guy very much because it was legal. Who, who spends more than the Dodgers? Uh, no one. Okay. But we didn't. I saw this earlier. I think You're going back on the old thing. It's the Yankees. John Yankees Hay- don't spend as much money as the Dodgers do. John Heyman t- tweeted this earlier. Uh, it looks like Trevor Trevor Bauer, who we haven't mentioned at all because of his legal stuff, looks like he's not going to op- opt out of his uh, record deal. So he'll be a Dodger again next year. Uh, don't know if he's going to pitch wow. for them, but he's not going to opt out of his deal. So uh, we'll do two more here. During the World uh, Series. Hey, by the way. How's that going to work? It's not. So we'll see how that turns out. During World Series Game 5, we saw a potential history. In the top of the fourth inning, Zach Greinke pinch hit for Yumi Garcia and got a second pinch hit of the World Series. The guy can hit, let's be honest. We also saw Braves reliever A.J. AJ Minter pop up a bunt in the bottom of the fourth inning. Then we also saw Kendall Graveman bat for himself later in the game. Why is this relevant? Because the World Series shifted back to Houston for Game 6. And that could have been the last true at-bat we saw a pitcher take in a major league game. True meaning a not a pinch hit uh, is what I meant by true. Pitchers hit an incredible 108 this season. Yes, you heard me say 108 this season. We could see Universal DH coming to baseball in 2022. Buying or selling, Kendall Graveman was the last pitcher we will ever see taken at bat in major league baseball. Selling. selling that well, what happens that. if you lose your dh no well, if they change that rule yeah i mean it, okay okay if they start changing rules whatever but as of right now if you lose your dh your pitcher could be hidden right true or you, you could i just thought of this you could have just said selling anyway and said shohei otani's a pitcher he's gonna bat every game oh that's not <laughs> fair. 
that's not that that that's not the spirit of the question. You know, we're talking, about a true, we're talking about a true pitcher, or, or there could be other guys coming up like Shohei Otani. It's got to be a guy who's a pitcher is going up to the plate. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you're right. I didn't think I didn't think about the DH part. All right, last one. I'm looking. This is gonna be short. Buying or selling, you will remember what happens at the wedding next Thursday. <laughs> oh, uh, no way. No way. Selling. I don't know. I won't even remember how I get back to my hotel room. Oh, is it open bar? It's an open bar? Yes. Oh, God, that's bad. Yeah, no chance. Wait, when is the wedding? Next Thursday. Okay. I'm going to follow up Reno with going to your wedding. Good luck. <laughs> Jeez, this is going to be a rough week. So when are we back? I think it's November 17th. It's a Wednesday, I believe. So what we're going to do in the meantime, um, we're going to play uh, the 13-game winning streak. Well, today and tomorrow, tomorrow we're going to replay tomorrow today's show. And then starting on Friday, we'll play game one of the 13-game winning streak. And then every day during the week, we'll play a game from the 13-game winning streak from the 2021 season. And we'll play them before our show when we come before we come back on the air, starting on the whatever the date was. Uh, the 17th, and then the 19th, and then the 22nd, and then it'll end on the 23rd. So we'll be back on the 17th. Um, we'll A's cast live, but the 13 game winning streak will be running throughout, and we'll have a bunch of new A's unfiltered with Bob Melvin, and we're talking to Stephen Vote, World Series champion Stephen Vote, tomorrow morning. That we'll have a new episode of with him up there tomorrow as well. Love it. All right, great show today. Really enjoyed it, and obviously very, very special uh, with our guy, Bob Melvin. We're going to miss him. He's a great man, no question. All right, we're going to replay this show, and then after that, we'll be back to A's cast. We'll be back in, what, is it about a week and a half? Yeah, it's, actually, uh, it's actually two weeks. It's two weeks from time. All right, we'll be back in two weeks. Enjoy, everybody. Take care, and thank you for listening to A's Cast Live right here on A's Cast. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.